Hello, Bleakers. Uh, it's me. Welcome to Weakness for Bleakness. It's me, Kieran Stevenson. I'm here with uh, Darcy. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, it's been a little over a week since our last one. We're, we're not quite back into the weekly groove yet, but who the fuck are we kidding? We're, that's not we're really not, how uh, we've operated. We're not regimented souls, Kieran. No. Anarchy. Anarchy. Uh, we have a fucking a, a doozy of a... Show today, I think. I think we, we hope so. We hope you'll yeah. enjoy it. It is my goal for this show to be more <clears throat> stringent with our uh, getting it to be less than six hours. <laughs> yes, that'd be handy. Every extra minute that we record is an extra is an extra minute that I have to edit, and I'm a lazy person fundamentally. So if I could minimise that, that would be good. And then maybe as a uh, bonus, it'll be good for the listener as well. Possibly, possibly, possibly. possibly. All right. We can be uh, listened to for too long. I feel. Yeah, yeah. It, it can be a it can be a marathon. We don't want to cause smug induced um, dementia or mm. sort of delusion. Yeah. Uh, very true. All right. Uh, well. Anyway. Hello. I hope you're well. Let's uh, get on with the show. Roll the music. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood But misery is a public good So come and feed your sorrows till you're spent Well, just to come, the captain said The icebergs are the dead ahead The men will keep the engines fed I have a deal with God We're at the end of history There ain't a hope for you or me When workers philanthropically believe in the economy But what a feast for tired eyes The poison earth, the boiling skies Everyone their own damn spies Remember when the world was wise we No, 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 no Ah <sighs> Great song. Uh, that's now not going to get old as a, as no. a bit. What's our well, first story? Well, it's put together by some very, very, very talented uh, lyricists, I feel. Yeah, that's um, true. Our Poet first Lawrence. story is uh, a peaceful... Whoops, sorry. Expectorated a bit on the old P's there. Mm. Our first uh, story is a peaceful witness to life. A peaceful witness to life. Which sounds very nice, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm very curious about uh, But it's about not very nice. It is the 2019 March for the Babies. Oh, fuck. Which took place on the uh, 12th of October 2019, which was a difficult day for um, <laughs> counter-protesting because there was also there was the secret racist rock gig that was happening in the city. What was the secret racist um, rock gig? I don't know. It was a secret. But we know it happened in Melbourne on the night of the uh, 12th. Yeah, um, okay. but I no, I wasn't uh, invited, so I didn't have the address released to me, and I forgot to go to the counter gig because I had a birthday party. All um, right, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if the racists really cared if people were at another gig having more fun than them. Uh, but yeah, there was that, <laughs> and there was March for the Babies. March for the Babies kicked off in um, two thousand and eight. Yeah, when. Victoria passed its Abortion Law Reform Act, uh, which they refer to on their website, which is marchforthebabies.org. You can go to marchforthebabies.org mm. and get in touch with them and, and tell them how great they are at, um, at the babies. <laughs> which essentially... March for uh, the Babies is such a... <laughs> it infuriates me on so many different axes of like aesthetic and moral and, and sort of like rhetorical... Yeah. <clears throat> Go on, please. Excuse me. 
Um, the Victorian Parliament passed the Abortion Law Reform Act, which is one of the most extreme abortion laws in the world. Yeah. Uh, which eliminated all legal protection for Victorian children until the moment of birth, which is not actually true. There are a host of protections for children, uh, for fetuses mm. in the womb, Uh if a mother wants to carry them to term, yeah, there are lots of protections in place to try to ensure that the child is born in a healthy state. Um, sure. But as far as the uh, psychos at the March for Babies are concerned, the mm. only protection required by the fetus is protection from abortion. Yeah. Um, although they will, of course, refer to uh, the fetus or the zygote as a baby yes. throughout the article. An that I'm unborn baby. Going through an unborn baby. Um, so the, the disapproval of the government is to protect the fundamental right of life uh, of every person in our state, which is obviously not true. They, uh, the right of life of all persons is protected mm. in the state. Uh, offer real help to women in crisis pregnancies and others who have suffered through abortion. Don't know what the uh, last part of that means. I also don't know what the first part of that means. <laughs> um, offering mean, real help yeah. to women in crisis pregnancies might be said to include not forcing them to go through a pregnancy. Yeah. The, the term real help is, like, telling because it's, like, none of that petty shit about looking after their health or, like, keeping track of the fetus and, like, making sure that it's viable and... And, and that they're not emotionally traumatized by the whole thing and all of that. It, real help means uh, ensuring that they have made peace with their creator so that they don't go to purgatory when they die on the birthing table. Yeah. Something material that they can actually uh, use, Darcy. Fairly, uh, fairly concise. Mm. Uh, they also want to allow freedom of conscience for our healthcare professionals, which is a beautiful... Thing, mm. freedom of conscience for our healthcare professionals, so that, for instance, a homophobic doctor, or an anti-Semitic doctor, mm. or an anti-misogyny doctor, can be free to humiliate, demean, and bully people whose uh, conscience they offend. Yeah, rather than being legally obliged to render you know, medical services in exchange for the incredible amounts of money they get. Yeah. Nobody else. <laughs> it's only healthcare professionals. These fuckers don't care about the freedom of conscience of anybody else who has to work for a living. Mm. Never give a fuck about the freedom of conscience of, say, judges. No. Or bureaucrats. No. Or <laughs> they don't even care about the freedom of conscience of, like, the police or the military. Like, people who, from all walks of life... Working class people have to do shitty things to get yeah. paid. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, well, it's universal. It's the actual origin uh, of the term emotional labor. Yeah. Is, is, is as actual labor where you have to sort of regulate your emotional state and accept that, you know, or not accept, but deal with the fact that you're expected to be, to do something like uh, save a life or respect the autonomy of an individual as as part of the remit of your job as a medical professional, say. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good, again, succinctly put. Uh, also no concern about freedom of conscience for, you know, women who've been raped. 
Yeah, uh, they don't have a conscience. They're just uh, semi-autonomous. Uh, uh, when I say automat- uh, autonomous, they're I really mean they're, need, they're automatons. They, they were need, sent here well, by God. they need help with crisis pregnancies. Yeah. Which is rape. They're talking about rape. When they say mm, crisis, crisis pregnancy, pregnancy, they mean incestuous rape. Mm. Often of children, not women. Also, by the way, yeah, uh, lots like, of rape victims, especially victims of incestuous rape, are actually under the age of consent. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Scum fuckery. These are disgusting people. Uh, the march was from Treasury Gardens to Parliament House, which uh, may be a record breaker for the most pointlessly short march in history, narrowly beating out the school strike that I was <laughs> involved <laughs> with a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, at least we got a couple of city blocks under our belt. Treasury Gardens to Parliament House, for any uh, international or interstate listeners, is less than a metric kilometre in mm. distance. It's not even half a kilometre. They're it's pretty very... much neighbouring properties. Like, they are adjacent. Yeah, and it's also kind of like... Say again the the locations. Treasury Gardens. Yeah. To Parliament House. Right. All of this shit is always around Parliament House, which I feel is maybe strategically placed on the side of the city where it won't disrupt any of the financial sector, which is all around fucking like William Street and shit. It won't uh, disrupt any of the law people. It'll disrupt a couple of arts businesses and restaurants. In this case, not even that. And this was, of course, Sunday. Yeah. So... God's um, there day. was no one significantly. <laughs> well, significantly, there were no parliamentarians being mm. inconvenienced by this because they were all enjoying their neo-Georgian horror yeah. mansions. It's it's a tough one for Christians, and this is like uh, there are a lot of classes that uh, struggle with with problems like this, where by and large, there's much less uh, impact to be had on a Sunday, but it is where they're natural perk bonus of uh plus 15 piety is only really active on sundays so the 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 baseline plus five piety is not uh necessarily enough to get things done during the week where they're all working uh as rapists that's a fair point in the rape office that is a fair point uh there's just a couple of bits they have on their website bits from previous marches Mm. and one that particularly infuriates me, which is girl conceived in rape testifies to crowd about the subject of abortion. They don't have, like, the actual footage. They just have a picture of her at a microphone. Yeah. I'm sure she's um, a perfectly decent person who it's good that we have on the planet with us. But it's extremely exploitative to take somebody who was not aborted, Mm. despite the fact that their mother has apparently contemplated it. Yeah. Um and essentially ask them to say, why do you want me to not exist? Yeah, a, yeah. That's I, an interesting way of reframing. I was also a reframing victim of rape, yeah. and you want to kill me. Yeah. You don't want me to have been here. And I'm like, well, no, the, the whole point is it's up to your mother. It's like being against... If she decides not to have you aborted, then yeah. she also has our support. Yeah. The point is that she gets <laughs> to choose, and she has support either yeah. way. And it's it's just a preposterous, like philosophical premise it's like being because you were an accidental conception being anti-birth control and anti-masturbation yeah and it's like like once you get into the to the weeds of non-existent pregnancies 
it, it fucking it gets complicated quickly and and uh, yeah and look these guys they're very careful <laughs> it's frustrating on actual marchforthebabies.org mm-hmm. they try to keep it secular they're very careful not to talk about souls yeah um and they kind of want to present themselves as an amalgified front for various uh anti-abortion groups sure i almost fell into their trap because i was reading from there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're not saying that phrase um fuck them because they're not it yeah um all right cool what's but though they are christian as yeah. I say, they're a religious group. You can see. I'm just going to show Kieran the pictures of them. Yes, these are like the oh, most, she's Christian for sure. They are the most yep. Christian fucking people that Australia Christian. can scrape. When together. you see, there's that that <laughs> unmistakable. It's quite subtle, so it's like it's not really enshrined in our uh, consciousness as as like a broad stereotype, but a particular type of uh, young woman with long brown hair. Yeah, a particular kind a, of pasty earnestness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like not religious levels of modest but always a modest top sometimes with a turtleneck it's like you just see them and you're immediately like oh youth pastor yeah 100 percent. yeah this is a cool young religious person yeah um religion uh doesn't have the abrahamic religions i should say don't have a leg to stand on where abortion is concerned because it's explicitly uh endorsed in the old Mm. testament to the point where the, uh, in the book of Leviticus, you can find an actual recipe for the conduct of abortion. We don't want to open up the book of Le- Leviticus. We don't. A, I'm just a, saying yeah, yeah, that as course. a religious principle, it, they can't use it. There was about a week when I was overseas and I was reading about some religious thing where it's like, I might become a Christian just because I would be better at it. I know we've discussed yeah, this before. Yeah, we would be very good at it. We yeah. could easily become bishops Maybe just if become... we were corrupt enough. <laughs> oh, I don't mean for power. I just mean just to lord it over, just to be extremely scripturally literate. I and... don't mean for power, just to lord it over. That's a yeah, sentence. yeah. Well, not for real power, I mean. <laughs> well, I don't want for... to be a bishop for just power. For... I want to be a bishop to have an easy life. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sure. if we failed everything else, the seminary was always our backup plan. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, all right, we have to... We, we, we got to move on. We have to we move gotta on. Be quick. We got to be quick with these stories. Kieran's turn to story. Uh, all right. My first story. It, it was going to be something very serious, uh, and I was going to talk about the Amber Geiger case. Uh, that that is obviously a shit show. Man was killed. A black man was killed in his own home by a white police officer because she quote unquote thought she was in her own uh, apartment. And then a witness was killed and uh, the police are claiming that it was because of some preposterous drug deal where people drove four hours to get to buy marijuana from Texas. Anyway, uh, I was going to talk about that, but instead I want to talk about something more serious. More serious? Yes, which is, uh, have you heard about the latest developments in the Epstein insanity? No. Now, I have to be so careful with this. I'm not endorsing... uh, poisoning your brain to the level that you start believing every conspiracy theory that comes out. I would hope not, Kieran. No, no. My brain's pretty poisoned already. But as we know, the 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 phenomenon of the of the Epstein case is just to reiterate that it is a real conspiracy, but like to a 90% certainty that just resembles all the best conspiracy theories. So we have this like beautiful once in a lifetime uh, moment 
of of something profoundly interesting and shadowy and 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 very real. At least some of it is real because he's fucking. He was running a pedophile uh, ring that involves powerful indeed. people very successfully. You know, uh, so. Let's talk about this uh, suggestion that Chester Bennington and Scott Weiland of the Stone of uh, Lincoln Park and the Stone Temple Pilots, respectively, uh, were killed as part of their efforts to uncover the, the the conspiracy. Shall we? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so Chester Bennington, uh, frontman for Lincoln Park, you'll remember. I remember uh, Chester died recently. He tried ish, so hard like a few and years got ago. so far, but in the end, it didn't really matter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's quite true. Uh, have you ever seen a photo? <laughs> I could legitimately go on for like it could it, you could spend hours uh, talking about uh, the detail. Some people think that Q killed Epstein uh, and stuff, so there's there's definitely a road that you can go down. But have you seen this photo of Chester Bennington and John Podesta? Uh, they look sort of a bit similar. Yeah. yeah. So Chester Bennington is definitely based on this damning evidence. They both his have illegitimate son noses. John Podesta, of course, notoriously central to the very real Pizzagate conspiracy. Uh, wasn't Ch- wasn't John Podesta's thing that he just sent photos of his dick to people? No, or was that, that was uh, Wiener. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Uh, I don't know if John Podesta has a thing. Well, John Podesta's thing was that he was the Pizzagate guy. Just a generic, uh, powerful guy. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. He's just a powerful, uh, powerful guy, I guess. Anyway, uh... And Scott Weiland uh, died just before uh, Chester, I guess. Yeah, Very, Scott Weiland. The Stone Temple Pilots guy. Ah. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, like, plush and, and stuff. He was one of those, yeah, I'm Scott Weiland. One of those guys that sounded like that. Uh, he and Chester were making a movie about uh, institutionalized child sex trafficking. Really? Yeah. Wait, actually? That, yeah, yeah, actually. That ah, that okay. much is on record. <laughs> that, that's the... Oh, I did yeah, not know so, that. So that you don't know that I'm not just baselessly being <laughs> like, I talked to a guy who definitely saw Bigfoot the other day. No, they were legitimately uh, funding uh, a... I think one of them was more involved than the other. It doesn't matter because I'm legitimately just giving air to insanity at this point. But uh, they were financing a movie about... Uh, heretofore unexposed institutionalized child sex trafficking around the time that they died. God, Zooks, mm. malarkey. Uh, and I really wanted this to be like a personal reflection. Uh, you know, when you come back from a school trip and they're like, write a personal essay about what you've learned. And what I've learned is that uh, I can't trust myself anymore to parse information because when this came onto the the twitter thing uh that's where i first saw it somebody posted a thread being like oh no because everybody simultaneously realized when this information came to light that they had like a pretty profound disease well people have been calling it epstein brain we all know know about the disease that that thing where reality starts to fracture because i feel a lot more compassion for conspiracy nuts than i used to yeah 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 uh and yeah, just uh, oh no, like this all 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 of this is true. Uh, Chester Bennington, 
and Scott Weiland were funding a movie about uh, child sexual abuse at the time of their death. This transpired just a few years before uh, all of this latest Epstein shit came out. So generally, notes from the front of the Epstein conspiracy theory. Everybody be careful because I can't trust myself. You can't trust yourself. And this is how they win, ultimately, because the, say Chester and, and Scott were killed by fucking Q or something. Oh, no, Q's a good guy. Uh, Epstein. Say that they were killed by Epstein and the Clintons. Yeah. Fine. How do you unpick that from when the when the article will be like, show that picture of Chester and John Podesta? Oh, I named him so that his name rhymed. Is that a coincidence? John Podesta, Chester, Bennington, El Chapo, Chapotle. <laughs> Full circle. I mean, yeah, so... One of the ways you can avoid Epstein brain taking mm. over your life is to remember that coincidence, even massively unlikely coincidences, are mm. very common. But like- then the the risk there, <laughs> see, it's a knife edge situation. You don't want to fall off one edge of the knife, but you don't want to fall off the other edge either, where you're like, guys, guys, lots of people kill themselves in jail. Security cameras fail all the time. Oh, look. I used to take naps so, during my overnight shifts. Epstein, w- w- as far as the Epstein death is concerned, yeah. I think he did kill himself. Interesting. But, it's see- but I think it's most likely mm. that he was allowed to do so. Well, yeah, at the very least, even if he did kill himself, much the more circumstances that it was a- arranged, like, you know what to do, Jeffrey. Yeah. We've given you a good life. Oh, yeah. It's you the, know what to do. It's the you put into the back of the horse and carriage to go off to the, to yeah. the prison and they just put a revolver with one bullet. Yeah, they take you yeah. off suicide watch, even though they know that you fucking absolutely are yeah. supposed to be on suicide watch. They turn watch. the camera they off. Stop, they stop doing the check-ins they're the supposed to be doing. The guards go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. It seems- yeah. I mean, that's possible. I personally think that Hillary Clinton personally injected carbolic acid into his scrotum, <laughs> but- uh, if Hillary you know, Clinton had tried to kill Jeffrey Epstein, he'd be the fucking governor of California by now. Maybe. That family can't do anything right. I believe that they They're can the kill people. Worst I fucking supervillains ever. They can they kill people through disastrous policy enactments. They don't yeah. do it through actual hit cases. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. They couldn't organize that. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm brain poisoned. Uh, anyway, basically I'm going crazy i think you're yeah. very rational darcy but i worry that your rationality <laughs> is going to lead you into some into some, some some dark places because already you're denying the manifest truth that the clintons killed epstein <laughs> in favor of this preposterous idea that he uh killed himself but I, i'm not saying that they definitely were removed from mm. like pressure for him to die yeah but I find the idea that they were directly responsible for it yeah. unlikely just because of their known competence levels yeah let me run you by run this by you then. Like if it was Bill, he'd have definitely left sperm behind. Mm. Let me run this by you. In the later years of the 1990s, Courtney Love was seen as. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. That's my fucking tiny thing. I was much more well prepared on the Amber Geiger thing, but I just remembered that I had to talk about the Chester Bennington Scott Wyland uh, phenomenon. I mean, it's. I'm glad you brought it up because it's a good example of how. Mm. The um, like the distractions barrel is bottomless. There's no base to scrape. The distractions barrel is bottomless. They'll be able yeah. to come up with fucking bizarre miscellaneous shit yeah. for the rest of history if you just let this play out. Yeah, it would be. 
it's also fresh material until the sun yeah, blows up. Yeah, it's also a reminder to to remember those great words spoken by that great man. Uh, uh, insanity is like gravity; all it takes is one little push. Ah, uh, but we'll get to that later. That's a. Uh, I don't know which version of the Joker said that, but that's Neither a do I. Joker thing. But we will get to it later. Yeah. Um, and uh, is that your bet on? Yeah. What's your next story? Next we got to so, get through shit I've this got a, time. I've no got more three-hour episodes. <laughs> got a very, 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 very quick um, coda. I promise my next bit will from, be less done. Um, yes. March for the babies. Oh which fuck! Is, Back which to March. This is very. Quick, this is the wrong direction. It's a very quick coda. Okay. And it's one of the reasons I actually brought this up in the first place is not just how absurd March for the babies is. It's the fact that they were essentially given um, a scrupulous police escort. The police were effectively marching with these fucks mm. and uh, protecting them and in no way attempting to hinder their disruption of the city. Mm. No one seems to be remotely upset about their disruption of the city. Yeah. Um, in stark contrast oh, yeah. to the physical assaults taking place on elderly climate protesters yeah, at yeah. the moment. And the people um, just uh, and, and 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 the lack of yeah and the public fury at people who don't want the planet to keel over while they're disseminating still absolute on falsehoods it. like that they were blocking ambulances and stuff even yeah. though there's ample footage of them letting um, ambulances through. So basically, if you if you don't have a problem with March for the Babies and you do have a problem with Extinction Rebellion, you're an asshole and I hate you. Yeah, cool. Um, it was very nice of you to go from <laughs> from. From your serious thing to then just let me founder in moronism for <laughs> five minutes, only just to bring it back to a concrete thing. What's your next story? My next story is about the uh, myths that will not die about climate change. Oh, so cool. this was shared by a baby boomer mm. uh, who I'm friends with on Facebook, who's a very nice man and who I'm very fond of, mm. but who is a climate dunce. And he's very typical of the kind of common sense approach, baby boomer reaction to climate yeah. change denial. Uh, this is from a website called Principia Scientific, which you'll notice is a very unwieldy blend of uh, ancient and modern Latin. Mm. Or is it ancient and modern ancient Greek? In any case, Principia Scientific doesn't make sense as a, uh, mm. as a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this article is by Dr. Mark... Imacides. What's the? What's the? What, I'm sorry to interrupt. What's the motivation for people still to make shit with Latin names? Like I thought, it, I thought that Warhammer 40k basically knocked that on the head as a serious um, thing. But well, still, you'll you'll get dipshits with shit wine collections that they don't even understand, being like, "Welcome to Politica Universalis, look, where we expose the <laughs> lies of the liberal left." Keeping in mind that the satirical nature of the Warhammer universe is yeah. lost on a lot of people. Yeah, probably the <laughs> probably the worst. Like, if it were advertising, it would be like fifty dollars per click. And that. actually, I've got to be honest. Like a lot of people who work at G uh, at GW at the moment, don't I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody that's anymore. there still understands <laughs> the spirit in which with which it was created for sure. But these guys are such a bunch of fucking nerds, yeah, and just sad anoraks that mm. Warhammer flew over even their heads. Like these yeah. guys are very low on the geek rocky. Uh why would you? <laughs> Uh, why would I waste my time playing little fantasy soldiers when I could be 
building my extensive <laughs> railway true to life. I have- V214 diesel steamer. <laughs> I don't know what a diesel steamer would look like. It you sounds use, like a particularly bad shit. I mean, you could use um, diesel to power a steam engine instead of coal. It doesn't sound it's like the just most very inefficient. inefficient. You're yeah, bypassing yeah. the main benefit of having diesel. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just just diesel gouting out of a pipe on fire under a fact, thing of a water. Diesel-powered steam engine is a very Warhammer 40k. Kind yeah, of, like, that's invention. That's something that the Gobos would have. Um, that sounds <laughs> Gobo. It sounds racist to say out loud. Well, I mean, the orcs are kind of racist in the sense that yeah. it's a. It's what a, are they supposed to be? Yobs? Like football they're hooligans? Yeah, yeah, they're football. yeah. They're the guys who beat up the oh, yeah. founders of Warhammer at school, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, then it doesn't, it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> no, it's a strange an that they group would. Of themselves. Yeah, it's strange that they would imbue their bullies the, like, with, the, with the, the metaphysical powers of, like, their cars go faster when they're painted red. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Make their stupidity their manifest. Their technology only works because they genuinely believe it works. Yeah. Yeah. That requires a level of, like, modesty and, and grudging admiration for your bullies. That, like, well, I don't like them, but they do fucking control the world. I think it was a, st- a case of orcs gradually morphed into the fun race. Yeah. They weren't supposed to be that way at first, I don't think. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. As, as you grow up, I think you kind of get over the being bullied yeah. thing. You sort of... Uh... Begin to garner some sympathy. Anyway, yeah. I'm oh. chewing up your time with You're fucking 40k shit. 40k shit. I'm always happy to talk about my old hobby. Um, I'm yeah. too cool for it now because I'm a podcaster, but I used to be into it. Well, it's just once you come to the 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 sad but like very important realization that it's far too fucking expensive. Uh, and that you're oh. re- enabling really bad capitalism. That's by- what bothered me. Right? Was when when they floated the company, mm. everything. But pretty much died in two years as a as an intellectual pursuit. It yeah, was gone. Yeah, because all the content guys left. Um, mm. And yeah, when people have been with a company that they essentially founded for like thirty years and all leave at once, yeah. usually not a great sign for your product's future. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it, like uh, when Kirkbride <clears throat> left Bethesda. It's like it is. Actually. I enjoy Skyrim as much as the next guy, but I've been replaying it, and some of the 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 writing is dire compared to. The shit that Kirkbride was doing. Morrowind was much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Unplayable now, obviously, unfortunately, but... Well, there's still talks about bringing it back updated for the modern world. Yeah, there's been talks about that since fucking 1997. They have. Yeah. Since it was released originally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Since the first change mod mod that changes the role to hit. Oh, shit. That's that's really the only problem. Kieran's bringing this up because I haven't given him my list of Skyrim mods yet that I Yeah, I'm subtly working on it. That's why I'm sabotaging (laughs) your segment as well. Read your fucking Boomer article. All right. So... Uh, Dr. Ma- Dr. Mark Imacides is an mm. industrial chemist. It's very nice of him to put that at the heading because yeah. essentially this is the perfect piece of shit done by an industry gimp. Industrial chemist is 100% a, a dumb guy job that requires just enough expertise to for them well, to think that they're a smart guy It's as organic well. chemistry, I think, is part of... Mm. I mean, industrial chemistry is not necessarily organic chemistry, mm. but this is 100% a guy who makes money out of fossil fuels. Like, there's no yeah, sure. two ways about it. Cool. Um, and he's written this fantastic article called Carbon Dioxide Can't Cause Global Warming. 
interesting. Scarcely. <laughs> I was legitimately silenced by that. Yeah. Not how just to, isn't. How can't. to engage. Yeah, can't. <laughs> Scarcely a day goes by without us being warned of coastal inundation by rising seas due to global warming. A day doesn't go by. Indeed. Very many days go by without any reference to it. Um, his His fear and his fury mm. is that... It's based on this. The point he's rebutting mm. is that the air is what's making the sea hotter, right? Yeah. Which isn't a point that anybody has ever made. He he seems to think that in the minds of climate change activists, yeah. carbon dioxide is a heat source yeah. that is making the air hotter, yeah. and that therefore the sea is getting hotter because it has made contact with the air. He's fucking. This, this is my favorite genre of article. Here's my two thousand word rebuttal of something I don't understand. To quote uh, Will Smith's character in the thick of it, I think it's Will Smith's character. The fucker's a nutbag. Mm. Like it's it's crazy, but you will love this, right? Mm. He says the ocean contains a colossal. Hang on, what have we got here? So, fifteen thousand trillion liters of water which i think he might have overestimated yeah i know exactly uh <laughs> how much water is in the ocean actually because i had to look it up it's 1.3 trillion gigaliters okay so he's wrong what um, is it wait what does he say 15 15 000 trillion, trillion liters? liters then that's that's close actually okay. that's 1.5 trillion gigaliters yeah um, but he's still off by a lot, though, if it's... He's 0.2 trillion gigaliters. Yeah. That's not that much. <laughs> if we're talking about, like, somebody who does uh, chemistry for a yeah. living, that's quite... That is, that's very that, off. <laughs> that's like a modestly sized ocean's worth of water, It's like when least. people say there's a billion uh, Chinese, that's just rounding out the whole population of Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, anyway... To heat it by even a small amount takes a staggering amount of energy. To heat a mere one degree, for example, mm. an astonishing 6,000 trillion joules of energy are required. Good joules. Yep. Why is he... I don't know. There's no scientist alive who would use joules to measure I quantities think, of energy I that think large. maybe because what he's doing here is not yeah. lying technically, yeah. but misrepresenting situations yeah. nonetheless. This person earns one million <laughs> microcents per year, and yet they have the temerity. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> he's chosen the smallest unit he can possibly find yeah. to make it seem like an impossibly massive number. Yeah. Joules um, are the thing that you measure when you burn a biscuit in fucking chemistry yeah, class. That's right. that, yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. We would have to fill the sea with mm. all of the rich tea biscuits ever made by <laughs> Britain ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in order to raise the temperature by one degree Celsius. Um, and so here's how he poses it, as it were. This is obscurantism. People accuse French philosophers of doing obscurantism, but this is real This is obscurantism par excellence, because he's about to suggest that if we were to fill a bath with mm. water and surround the bath with heaters, yeah. then the bath wouldn't get any hotter from the heaters. What? Yeah. So, what? basically, his whole argument is that... Centers around a stupid analogy? The air 
can never be hot enough to heat up the sea because it doesn't contain as much energy as the sea does. What the fuck? He literally... I mean, that's manifestly untrue. Well, it's uh, irrelevant because nobody and it's, and is... It's the, the, misunderstanding the global the way... warming model is not yeah. that the air is heating up and therefore heating up the sea. It's yeah. that greenhouse gases prevent solar energy from being Escaping released the by the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the it fucking problem. It reflects solar energy back and solar energy for sure heats up water. And th- But this is, this is designed to make you sound like a moron when you argue against it because you've got to be like, no, 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 that's... <laughs> Uh, see, you've got to engage with this stupid analogy. Your and analogy like- is so wrong. So apparently, if we uh, used all of the electricity, all yeah. of the electric that we have on the planet at the moment, yeah. if we plugged that electric into the sea... How many thousands of gazillions of joules is that? It's actually not that much. Mm. Like, he wants us to think it's a crazy amount, but compared yeah. to the energy produced by the sun, <laughs> yeah. surprisingly, we don't make that much. Oh, interesting, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if we if we if we plugged it into the sea, it would mm. take it would electrocute a, a very lot of fish. it would electrocute a lot of fish, but it would also take thirty two thousand years to heat the ocean by just one degree Celsius. Irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant because the fucking sun is beaming on yeah. the ocean constantly all the yeah. time. Because although we have night, mm. the sun never sets on the ocean empire. Yeah. Globally, it is constantly exposed to sunlight just all mm. the time, and it always has been forever. It's difficult to overemphasize yeah. how much energy the sun pumps into the ocean. And it used to be fine because a lot of it was reflected away, yeah. and a lot of what was not reflected away was released. Now neither of those things are happening mm. because guess what? carbon dioxide is not passing on some kind of latent heat yeah. to the sea. It's famously it's the hottest of the gases. Fucking crazy. That's why your breath is warm when you breathe. <laughs> oh, he's an absolute fucking loonberg. Uh, anyway, that's... That's so good. It was just an example of hilarious... Climate denial nonsense. I could, I could stay here all afternoon, but we do have to move on. We have on. to move on. If you, uh, here's the thing. They say that energy causes cancer, but if I stick a fork into an outlet, <laughs> I'll, I'll not live enough to get cancer, live long enough to get cancer. It's just fucking bananas. It's like the premise is dumb, and then you interpret the dumb premise in a dumb way. Industrial chemist, my fucking left foot. <laughs> Fuck you, guy. I 100% believe he's a qualified industrial chemist. Oh, yeah, but uh, it's uh, using it as a credential to but back up I feel this. like industrial chemists and wooey bullshit are on a similar level to engineers and wooey bullshit. Yeah. Like, there's a surprising amount of just not understanding things in that sector. Yeah. Yeah. Given how well educated they're supposed to be. Anyway, go. Topic. Yeah, uh, I have a musk update. Woof! Uh, just some, some What's our boy some up extra. to? We'll hear this. The, South the, African prince. This is the headline that everybody's been sharing around. Uh, it's Gizmodo. I don't know if they broke the story necessarily, but the headline is Elon Musk, quote, I'm a fucking idiot. Ooh. We have some, some acknowledgement here. Uh, it's more updates from the defamation lawsuit. Uh, Ow. Yeah, uh, listener, I'm sure that you're on top of it, but basically Elon Musk created a stupid fucking cigar tube to help the Thai kids that were trapped in that <laughs> cave. 
Uh, Vernon Unsworth, the diver, said that it would never be useful. Absolutely no chance of working, he said. And then Elon Musk called the guy a pedophile. Yeah. Uh, Which is a common South African expression. Yeah, a common South African insult. Uh, that's that's where uh, Elon Musk went wrong, is he just used a, a meaningless insult. Which he... Helpfully uh, contextualized with yeah. a bunch of Gary Glitter references, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never intended to accuse the guy of being a pedophile. No. He just wanted to insult him in a baseline way while simultaneously saving the world from another Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> uh, here's here's the here's Sorry, the thing ahead. the 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 stuff that he uh, <laughs> that he used to bolster his claims, which he. He just called him a pedophile off of instinct and then set about- uh, Simultaneously doubling down on it and trying to extricate himself from it. Well, the, the extricating time, himself thing was... is purely strategic. He definitely believed it because he then set out to prove it. He did. Which is like- Middle-aged that, men in Thailand. That's entrepreneurial that sort of thinking, yeah. being like, I'm going to go to Mars and then I'm going to figure out how to do it. Is to say like, <laughs> I'm going to use my will to manifest this guy as a pedophile. And I'm going to prove it how. So he hired a uh, private investigator who found, uh, who who told Musk that he found that Unsworth had moved to Chiang Rai to marry a 14-year-old girl. Uh, this investigator's name, uh, James Howard Higgins, he spent $74,000 to get this uh, information. The way that he tracked down James Howard Higgins was Howard Higgins sent him an email unsolicited, saying that he promised to find the skeletons in Mr. Unsworth's cupboard after the pedo guy comment. (laughs) So some dude, one of these fucking weepy tragics on YouTube, has emailed Elon Musk and said, I'll find out the guy's (laughs) uh, pedophilia credentials. Uh, Can you marry 14-year-olds Just give me $74,000. No, pedophilia is illegal there, I think. Uh, Here's the thing, though. The woman uh, that he married, and he did indeed marry a Thai woman, uh, is 40 years old, and he met her in the UK. 40? Yeah. It sounds like 14, but it's crucially different in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. It's it's the sort of thing where there is a plausible explanation that a fucking idiot posing as a private investigator might hear the word 40 and go, Oh, my God. 14. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Uh, so he met a, 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 a an adult woman in England. Yes, and they fell in love. And when she left England, he went to Thailand with her. Is that basically? Uh, the I think he's been back and forth to Thailand. I don't. I don't know the timeline on that. because. Uh, but it's about as above board an adult relationship yeah. as you find. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Certainly less suspicious than any. I mean, of Elon they Musk's. probably bizarre creepy setups yes yeah. they probably met in the uk and she was like oh i'm thai and he's like wild i i live a lot of the time in thailand because i'm a diver and you know there's good diving in thailand and she's like oh wild and he's like well i'm going back there and she's like i'm going back there as well and you know they fell in love and got married or whatever whatever they can do whatever the fuck they want because they're, they're both adults. adults yeah exactly and neither of them have committed any crimes sexual or otherwise that that we know of uh but Elon Musk got grifted by this fucking, like, absolutely bottom of the barrel. Uh, he's a tech guy, and he fell for an email scam, essentially. 
$74,000 he paid for just factually incorrect information, not even like poorly contextualized information or anything like that, just a lie uh, about this woman's age and this and this guy's sexual proclivities. And anyway, uh, then he gave that information to BuzzFeed, I think, in what he called an off-the-record email to BuzzFeed mm. News. Okay. It's weird. I don't... I don't exchange emails with BuzzFeed News just to chat. I don't exchange emails with the BuzzFeed News at all, but I'm pretty sure they don't do off-the-record chat emails. Yeah. Why would he be chatting to, uh, to, to, to BuzzFeed off the record anyway? Does he know somebody there? Anyway, apparently he wanted them to investigate, so he sent them the information that his con man had sent to him. And they just published an article being like, Elon Musk is a dumbass. <laughs> uh, here's why. And so he Man, says... When your genius credentials are punctured by BuzzFeed News, that's a fucking bad day. Yeah. It's a really bad day. So, yeah. So I'll leave you with this little this little quote uh, from the article. Uh, from the Gizmodo one. So Musk said, I didn't expect BuzzFeed to publish an off-the-record email... My intent was to have them investigate and come to their own conclusions, not publish my email directly. Still, I'm a fucking idiot. He added that it was one of the dumbest things I've ever done, with Unsworth's legal team helpfully putting both of the quotes in boldface emphasis. <laughs> that's the... That's the... Imagine how high on fucking life you would have to be as Vernon Unsworth. Because he... <laughs> Went through it, like, I'm sure he's gone through some shit, because I know what Musk uh, tragics oh, are like. he's got an army of fucking mindless yeah. uh, uh, enthusiasts that yeah. he can summon. Yeah. And that's probably the saddest part about this email uh, private investigator scam, is there's a good chance that the private investigator was sincere in his desire to to discredit Mr. Unsworth and uncover his crimes. But... But essentially, the trade-off for that, the the benefit that Vernon Unsworth is enjoying is the opportunity to loudly and repeatedly and very publicly clown on some dipshit that, for Just, some reason, a large portion of the American populace thinks is a genius well, of, because, a, of, a, I mean, of a science fiction level. Because he, because he, uh, he, he justifies their beliefs and their mm. system. Yeah. Know? Never mind the fact that he's piggybacking off decades of NASA research mm. for both his electrical vehicles and his SpaceX uh, yeah. program. Well, there's other, there's other, he got into a spat with NASA because they criticized his company for not reaching deadlines or for not seeming like it was going to reach deadlines for their partnership and stuff. Like, he's fucking up there as well. Yeah. Even piggybacking off their resources, even with huge grants, even with uh, a, a machine, a business machine designed to cannibalize uh, people's research. Actual, the research of actual well, because he smart over, people. All of his businesses are running uh, beyond their capacity. Yeah. Basically. Because he keeps coming out and being like, we're going to Mars. That's not his voice. I can't do his voice. No, it's just sort of I've ambiguously sort of villainous. We've, out, we've, we've talked about this before. He doesn't sound like a South African anymore. He no. sounds like a... Like Neither South boy. African nor American. No. He actually sounds like he a... Um, weirdly European. I was about to say, but he sounds like he's trying to do a sort of Middle Europe accent. Yeah, well, I think he's I think he's just being like, yes, Mr. Bond, like, uh, I was talking to my team and... Oh, uh, God, he's trying to sound like Mads Mikkelsen, is that... Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. 
because he looks a bit like I Mads like Mikkelsen. this guy. Yeah. He's got charisma. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. He's a fucking idiot. His own words. His own words. <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, even better than being Vernon Unsworth at the moment would be mm. being one of the Vernon Unsworth's legal representatives. Oh, yeah. They must be just um, in danger only for, by their own saliva. What a fucking slam dunk. <laughs> what a slam dunk of a case. And so public. And so much shade. There's a, there's been a lot of this lately. Like, I have a knack for picking out the wrong person on a small level and, and supporting them. I sent money to Yusuf Roach because I thought he was going to kill himself. He turned out to be a rapist. I think I've talked about that on the show before. I think a, you have. a local LA comedian or something. Yes, it was Who a dark time. Yeah. For you. Uh, uh, yeah, but on the on the broad scale of cultural tectonics, I'm fucking batting ten for ten, baby. <laughs> I I turned against Neil deGrasse Tyson when he said that philosophy was dumb. Yeah. I was like, oh, and that this he wasn't guy's- an atheist. Philosophy is dumb, and I am not an atheist. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I was fucking, I was vindicated when it turned out that he was a, a sexual monster. And really all of the stories of sexual monstrosity are about vindicating me ultimately, and not about the safety and well-being of, uh, of women in modern society. Well, we're not going to achieve that in modern society. Modern society would have to develop a new would have to enter a mm. new phase where we're not dominated by domination fantasies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Neil deGrasse Tyson, I picked. Uh, fucking, uh, I didn't pick Louis C.K. That's that, that's a black spot. No, although I never liked him. I know, and I you, always you're had one a- of those guys. <laughs> I never found him funny. And in the modern culture where finding somebody funny is the same as a moral endorsement, that counts as virtue. Well, no, but for me, it was a moral endorsement because mm. I, I just found him sort of ins- insecure and annoying. I didn't, yeah, I didn't like his. I mean, jam. that was his, that was his shtick. Honestly, insecure and annoying. Anyway, well, let's not get in the fucking weeds of Louis C.K. The bastard. He's all weeds now. Uh, I thought that Aziz's and every like revelation is is. Uh, of a magnitude with my hatred of them. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, I disliked quite a lot because mm. I thought he was harmful to the... Uh, when America desperately needs ethical philosophy, I thought he was harmful to, to that discourse. And yep. it turns out that he's quite a big dickhead. Very harmful Aziz Ansari, I just thought that he wasn't doing his best work. I, did, I was like, he's never done anything as good as Human Giant. And lo and behold, it turns out that he's a little bit of a creep. Uh, or was a little bit of a creep one time. I don't know. Anyway, and a total fucking hack. Uh, I forget what my point was. Anyway, Elon Musk. Vindication. Vindication. You can smell it. After being blindsided by a few secret sex offenders, Mm. you are now starting to rebuild your reputation as a sex offender spotter. Well, here's the thing. Here's here's the problem is that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm inclined to support local relatively unknown artists because I think that we need to support the arts. When they get too big, I just resent them. So I, it's, the scales fall from my eyes, and I'm able to see. I can You're smell a it sex on them. Offender. Like yeah, <laughs> I can smell it on them like a dog with cancer. Anyway, that's it. That's our stories. We got to move to topic. We're nearly at an hour now. All right. Well, how about we go and have a nice cup of tea? Yeah, let's have a cup of tea. Let's have a cup of tea, listener. Topic, 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 topic. Shh.
Dear listener, the upcoming segment contains significant spoilers for the movie Joker. If you don't want to hear them, you can skip to timestamp one hour and 37 minutes. You'll land yourself right in the middle of the transition music. Back to topic two. All right, a nice cup of tea and a sandwich. It was a lovely cup of tea and a sandwich, and you still have your flaky croissant. It was a good... Oh, lovely. It was, a, it was a really good sandwich. I love the pepper on there. A lot of pepper. People underutilize pepper, I feel. Not at Chimmy's. Chimmy's established in 1994 on uh, Church Street. And that's all the advertising <laughs> they get until they pay the sponsorship fee to which we are entitled. Uh, all right. Let's do topics. You've got the big topic for today. What do you want to talk about? Well, we have both seen... Yeah. Much fated and much uh, hand wrung. The most film. dangerous film the most of the 21st century. The 21st century. <clears throat> um, the Joker, starring Joker. Uh, Joe Atchum, Penhooks. Yeah. And um, good old uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah, Robbie De Niro's in it. Playing, uh, how does he pronounce his name? Murray. Murray. Yeah, that's how... One of the many bizarre things about Arthur Fleck. The Walker pronounces it. Yeah. Uh, and and Frances... Fuck, what's her name? Frances Conroy, the who plays his mother. The actress from uh, yeah, Six I Feet Under. I think it is Frances Conroy. I'm going to look that up really quickly, just so that... Because I'm going to feel like a dickhead if Frances uh, Conroy is somebody else, but it's Frances <laughs> something. That is fair. So... We're just going to have an edit point. It is Francis Conroy. It is Francis Francis Conroy. Fuck yeah, I'm proud of myself. Bravo, Kieran. Um, So I saw this a little under a week ago. I saw it last night. You saw it last night, so the details are still fresh. Yeah. As fresh as newly painted clown makeup. Mm. How did you feel about the offence-ometer? Were you very offended? Have you picked up any dangerous opinions? Uh, yeah, I've essentially now realised that all uh, that the concept of female dignity is a lie. That I I am an incel in in spirit and body now. Magically, I've been transubstantiated, and uh, I'm going to go and and kill liberals. I as- mean, that's I, I I would normally be alarmed by that, but mm. I have a confession to make, which is. That the buddy I went to see the Joker film with was my usual film buddy, yeah. who's a who's a female person, a woman. Oh no! I killed her a bunch of times That's during really, the film, yeah. after the film. Well, she's <clears throat> just a pile of giblets. A week ago, I can't uh, stop just her. a couple of days ago, that would have uh, stunned and disgusted me. But uh, as of last night, I can say that she deserved it. Obviously, there is, of course, yeah. virtually no incel content uh, to the Joker film. There's really no... There's all of every, As predicted, all of the Tipagore bullshit was, uh, was overstated, was blown up because the media wanted a shooting oh, to happen. Pretty well, yeah. Yeah, so essentially because they are the monsters. They are the real monsters in this film. There mm. were some interesting things about the Joker. Yeah. Uh, one was the fact that the media are the real monsters, or, or that class yeah. are far more monstrous than the Joker himself, at least over the course of the film, anyway. Yeah. Um, there was the lovely bit where we got to see Thomas Wayne through the eyes of the adult world instead of the eyes of his adoring Yeah, I thought child. that that was, that that was, was good. quite good, quite um, good and interesting. And, and uh, like... 
I don't want to attribute too much because I think it was a good movie. I don't think it was like brilliant, but I think it was good. But you kind of get another perspective on Batman as well, just from like maybe 20 seconds of footage of Bruce Wayne. And you're just like, oh yeah, of course he's a fucking, like everybody knows that he's just a rich kid that yeah. grows up into a rich man. But just to, just kind those of couple of little kid. bits of, he's got his private playground with his little slidey pole. And you're like, I understand how the pathology came out. Yeah. Of, this is a poorly socialized individual. It, yeah. it makes the most implausible thing about Batman's character is actually his um, Bruce Wayne cover. Mm, yeah. Uh, because I don't think that he was remotely well socialized enough to pretend to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. There's not a chance in hell. Yeah, but I mean, Bruce that's Wayne's meant to be quite charming. I'm sure of. he would. He's an arsehole, but he's meant to be quite a charming arsehole. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you would, growing up in that set, you would observe enough of it to fake it. Mm-hmm. I don't think to the degree that that we saw um, in Baby Bruce's confinement and sort of yeah maybe I don't, existence. I don't know if, I don't know if we have <laughs> enough info but yeah um, yeah certainly it was it was nice closest. seeing seeing mm-hmm. Alfred as Alfred sucked an asshole like Without an actual Alfred. as an actual butler would be if a poor yeah. person turned up yeah at their it's just, master's house it's such a simple trick just putting a poor person next to some wains and then <laughs> seeing and it's not like the joker is uh supposed to be unquestionably sympathetic but yeah just just through having poor eyes to look through you like oh fuck of course i found him very sympathetic though sympathetic but not like unqualified no no I'm of course saying. not i've i he's definitely sympathetic he's felt, meant to be uh, sympathetic i felt very protective towards him to the point where uh, a little way into the movie before the like third act where all of the really horrid shit goes down or whatever but like towards the middle of the movie i was like the people who are talking about this movie as though it's an excuse for uh, completely unjustified white male uh, rage have something wrong with their empathy. Yeah, absolutely. They fucking absolutely they do. Yeah. You, 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 you mean, would have to be a fucking hell beast mm. to see that footage and not uh, to see Joaquin Phoenix's performance mm. and not feel any kind of shred of empathy or sympathy or engagement with that character. Mm. You would have to be one of the guys he murders on the subway, basically. Yeah. In which case, not missed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think that there there are a lot Terrible. of people who are who are talking around this case who are who are kept out of the ruling class purely by the very unjust vagaries of identity politics as they exist, like, you know, because they're black or because they're women, they're not powerful or whatever. But if that were changed, then they would be assholes in charge. Like Absolutely. that's that's kind of the vibe yeah. that I get. Well, you know, from some of them, I don't want to fucking throw everybody under the bus because obviously, like, I don't think that you know, identity politics is fine. <laughs> Racism is real. Sexism is real. Yeah, it's important. If we focus, but the dialogue on, around this movie was just. If we focus dumb. on class politics exclusively, then we're being dangerously reductionist. <clears throat> um, yeah, and it's one of the reasons why. So many socialist projects fail so miserably is mm. basically reductionist thinking. Yeah. Um, but the thing about <clears throat> racial politics or gender politics or sexual politics or whatever is it's fundamentally about uh, controlling different classes, uh, access and relationship with power. And so if you understand these things as a power thing, that it's fucked up that power is exercised upon black people without any representation within power... I agree that that's fucked up, but you have to understand it as power. And if you view things through power, you can't argue 
convincingly that the character of Arthur Fleck has any power. He's completely no. fucking subjugated. That's individual. right. He has no power tokens. Speaking far too seriously about this movie, which was yeah, but, but that's the that's the tone that's been set. Ironically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for a, a character who would find it to be a massive, massive win. Mm. The Joker would like nothing more than for all of the very serious people to take him very seriously mm. when he knows that he's just producing empty chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's quite sweet. <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah. I, I um, thought the movie was interesting. It's probably the best comic book movie that's come out in at least a long time of the mainstream ones. I think it's I'm the sure best comic book movie that's come out that I've seen like without any qualifier. Yeah, you might be right there. Um, and that's because so little of it really has to do with the Joker. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, it's quite a tragedy. I like the way the film uh, flipped this idea that, you know, when when the hero has finished his kind of uh, metastasizing process and finally emerges as the masked figure, it's normally a cause for celebration. Mm. I really liked the way it was sold as a tragedy. Yeah. In this movie, as we saw a sympathetic, like a, a barking mad mm. and very, very badly damaged, but very, very sympathetic character essentially be overtaken by an illness that he was mm. no longer able to um, to cope with. And here's the key. The reason that he's unable to cope is because society has insufficient support for him. That's right. Uh, so he's... He's overtaken by two things. Firstly, his illness, which goes untreated uh, because of cuts to uh, social well, work funding and stuff like that. Complete closure of the program that he's part <clears throat> that he's in. part of, and that removes his access to medicine, uh, which he I, I wants think to. Uh, early in the film, he I wants to engage. I was about to say it's medication. really important to highlight the fact that this is somebody who's trying to be better all yeah. throughout the film. He's yeah. trying to be better, and his relationship with his counselor and stuff is complicated. But he, yeah, he wants medication. Part of it is just to fuck himself up or whatever, but to obliviate himself or whatever. But, you know, he, he, you're right, is demonstrating a desire to get better. So that support is cut. He's betrayed by people close to him. There's ultimately a class message kind Absolutely. of- at the, It's a very, it's a very class of, movie. Yeah. So I think this is basically Matt Christman's takeaway. He has a whole extra dimension about the movie as an examination of the Joker phenomenon. But the, the idea that- uh, this is kind of showing the thing where it's like your options are socialism or barbarism. Yes. And this is showing what happens when you choose barbarism, when you cut people off from support, when you cut people off from meaningful society and then see what happens. Of course, they become monsters because they're, at a certain point, they're kind of fully justified in it. Like <clears throat> this is the part about all good tragedies is like Fleck is completely justified in all of his rage and his anger. He's not justified in his actions. No, he's not justified in his actions, but you're right. He's but completely justified in his feelings. You know, and that that, that um, lovely moment where we see uh, Mulray mm. uh, betraying him. Yeah. Uh, not that, not that, of course, uh, the De Niro character had any idea he was doing. Yeah. That, but but I mean, that's part of his villainy is that he doesn't fucking realize no, what he's doing. Of course not. Or um, the power that he holds. So I think. I might be right. There were two sources of relief mm. for Fleck's character uh, throughout the sort of first three quarters of the movie. Mm. One was the fantasized relationship he had with his neighbor, 
Yep. And the other was the fantasized relationship that he had with uh, Murray. Yeah. Well, with with, well, with the idea Murray's of TV being a, a comedian, which was lensed through. Yeah, Murray's Murray Abraham, or is that somebody else? Oh, no, that's F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. I'm thinking of. I think Murray Franklin. <laughs> Murray Franklin. The Murray yeah. Franklin hour. I, it would have been good to see that character played by F. Murray Abraham. It would have. But De Niro was very good. De Niro is very good. You know, if there's if there's a character that well, De Niro can play, it's an obnoxious New Yorker. Yeah. I think we've got that pretty much established. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought, yeah, I thought that uh, I thought it was beautifully done, though, because there was something uh, it's difficult to express, deeply pathetic and uh, deeply uh, respectable at the same, mm. in a weird way, with the the character of Fleck as we first met him. Well, it's, there it's, was a sweetness and a naivety, yeah, amongst the pain and the suffering. It's crucial that, like, in terms of the construction of the film, that up until the point where he really breaks uh he's always kind of maintaining a moral high ground even though he's being off-putting or uh like weird or whatever he's yeah. always he's never he's trying cruel he's always or, trying and he's never cruel yeah you know and, up until uh, he decides that he has to be because that's how you get noticed and this was triggered by the revelation that his mother had been lying about the Thomas Wayne connection. Although at the end of the film... That's complicated. We don't she, know we whether learned or not. That possibly, <clears throat> possibly she was. I can't remember his name. The actor who plays Thomas Wayne yeah. is very convinced that his character is responsible for Fleck and put um, right. Barbara in a psychiatric unit. Was it Barbara? Penny. Penny yeah. in a psychiatric unit. Who the fuck's Barbara? It doesn't matter. Doesn't or Commissioner matter. Gordon's daughter, who's possibly. not in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly Commissioner Gordon's daughter. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think like it's. Uh, but ultimately, it's, it you can make matter. an argument. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that the issue is confused, right? Because yeah. he he can't trust his reality, and part of that is the fact that nobody will be fucking straight with him. Nobody will be straight with him, and if they are straight with him, there is way too much ambiguity about their own sanity and reliability. Yeah. Um, there, there was only one bit of the film that I found offensive, mm. and it wasn't actually a bit of the film. It was a bit of audience response to the film. Right. When he becomes the Joker, mm. he's visited by two of his former colleagues. Yeah. One of them is a big, fat, beefy, like, I think Barrow boy. Is that the guy? And I think that might be the guy who plays the villain in True, De- True Detective. Or could be. But, but he's not. the guy who arms Fleck originally. Yeah. Um, with an illegally, oh, was it illegal? I don't it was think illegal, it even is. It was illegal for Fleck to have it. It was illegal for Fleck to have it history. Psychiatric history. But it's because it was <clears> a private re- transaction. It's fine though. He well, couldn't have bought it from a proper store. He's but. not supposed to have it. The transaction <laughs> was fine. The yeah. guy giving it to him for, was fine, but his possessing it yes. was not fine because of good, reasonable laws. And then um, that coworker uses it to get him fired. That's right, and. Uh, the other geezer is the English clown, who's a little person, mm. uh, and who is, you know, seems like a maybe one of the few basically okay people in the entire movie. Yeah, um, he's generally okay. Yeah, Fleck murders the duplicitous yeah uh, former colleague, and the English clown tries to escape from the flat, obviously because. Mm. His friend is turned into a fucking insane clown murderer, mm. and of course, because he's a little person, he can't reach the latch on the door. And with the exception of my uh, my mate, 
just about every single woman in the audience did this kind of oh, fuck off <laughs> noise because a terrified person mm. was too small to reach the escape hatch. They thought that that was adorable. Right. So it was nothing to do with the film. Mm. It was purely just a I was piece gonna, of, I was gonna, whoa, yeah. fuck everybody in this room. Yeah. I was going to say you didn't find that <laughs> bit funny. And I was like, assholes. fuck, I'm sorry to, yeah. No, that is that is ghoulish. That I found that bit so funny. Creepy. Though, in like quite it's a not dark way. Adorable that he has a physical yeah. disadvantage He's that he can't escape. Almost from directly death. missing the point. Yeah. The very unsubtle. This is not a subtle Fuck, film. It's not a subtle film. Missing the point of the very unsubtle movie that you're in the process of watching. Couldn't fucking believe it. Mm. Anyway, it's not a, like a. You know. No, that bit was funny because Ugh. small people are funny. Uh, small people I did. Fu- are I found that bit funny. Let's, t- let's also he's briefly- a small person clown. Yeah, double funny. Let's touch on the fact that when this movie does try to be funny, it's funny. It's funny. It's only got a few um, of those moments peppered in there. So but when he walks into the door, that's a genuinely that was funny bit. A good bit. The Spanish flea technical difficulties screen is great, <laughs> and like the just perfectly yeah. timed. Uh, like a jot of citrus on the dish of like tension that that whole scene has been building up. And I've got to say, Joachim Phoenix's like old school kind of Buster mm. Keaton comedy run is impeccably done. Yeah, he yeah, does yeah. it. Even well, it scenes mm. that are like drama scenes, mm. he's still capable of doing a really good comedy run. Yeah, yeah. It has to be said that this movie wouldn't be. Anywhere near as good without Joaquin Phoenix. No, like, Joaquin, if, 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 if you're ever in doubt as to your directorial capacity, yeah. but you want to sort of like make sure you don't fuck up, mm. all you need to do is make sure that your film is just Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Give him hours. a central <laughs> a central role with some character complication. Central beyond central. I was watching, because I heard about the like, that he has the neurological condition where he has to laugh. And I was like, that's going to be shit. Because I don't, I don't know if there is any other actor who could make that work, and uh, but then it it fucking works with Phoenix doing it because he's got the like, he brings in the like respiratory pain part of it. Yeah, he does he, the sort of nervous rictus where yeah. you sort of lose <clears throat> the control of sundry bits of body as well. Yeah, he's so good at emoting like while he's laughing, emoting that he's unhappy or that he's embarrassed or nervous because it happens when he's like keyed up. Like, fucking hell. That That is a, a part of the film that should have been dog shit. Almost any other actor working, and it would have been dog shit. And Joaquin Phoenix did a fucking miracle with that. Did an amazing with job bits. with it. And the uh, physical shape he was in was yeah, yeah. just so uh, disturbing. Tremendous. It was way, fantastic. <laughs> way more craft fucking genius put into that performance in this movie honestly deserved even though i liked it 100 percent agree but you know joaquin will not do nothing is beneath him if he if he accepts a job he's leon the professional he will do the job yeah (laughs) and this is why the have you seen the master were you there when we watched the master were you living here at the time i don't know uh, I don't think I've seen The Master. There's that scene. We were watching it, and there's a scene pretty early on. Joaquin Phoenix plays the main character, who's this, like, uh, kind of sort of dumb, disturbed young man who gets caught up in the movie's analogue for Scientology. And so there's the scene where he's going through his processing interview, and it's fucking Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman playing the L. Ron Hubbard character. Oh, Seahawk uh, would be a, such a fucking brutally good L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, oh. he is. And that 15-minute scene is probably the 
overall best acting. Like I was sitting there and I was watching it and I was like, oh, I'm enjoying the film. And then we were all kind of talking, everybody who was watching it. And we all just fell like about four minutes into the scene. We all just fell silent and watched it in silence to the end. And it was just like, that is, it was fucking incredible. The best acting captured on film for a generation either side. Fuck, eh? Fucking Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, I will watch it. Because I, I find L. Ron Hubbard deeply fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. He would be wonderful. He's a tremendous Hubbard, Hubbard analogue because it's not... Uh, he'd be great at... Um, what's his name? Uh, Billy Falwell Jr., the Liberty University guy. Yeah. Jerry Falwell Jr. Can't Jerry Falwell Jr. That kind of just the... Oh, yeah. Dialogue method. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hoff can mumble with the best of them. Yeah. Yeah, he was a world-class mumbler. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, taken from us too too soon. Well, he left us too soon, the bastard. Yeah. Um, Obviously involved in uncovering the pedophile ring stuff killed by the Clintons. Well, I have heard that Q is actually Philip Seymour Hoffman's notebook. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can believe Apparently that. Apparently it was when he um, played Truman Capote in uh, Cold Blood. Oh, yep. Yeah, so he <clears> went so method that he began investigating just everything. Of course. Just constantly yeah. investigating things. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he took some time off to do The Boat That Rocked with um, Richard Curtis. But <laughs> yeah. other than that, he was just ruthlessly investigating all the pedophiles. He, had some, he made some interesting choices with his career. Just everything. I think Philip Seymour was yeah. making interesting <clears throat> choices for literally from go. Yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that like he would only get cast as weird sidekick characters in quite low budget shit for so long because of the way that he looked. And then it wasn't until quite late in his career that people were like, oh, we have a world class great on our hand. Talented Mr. Ripley where he. That got- was probably his breakout. Yeah. yeah. Where he was playing a fucking jock. An and, asshole um, from. Um, what was it, Princeton or something? Yeah, yeah, an Ivy, Ivy League arsehole, we can say, generally. I'm not sure exactly where Although, from, but, um, also, as it turned out, one of the brighter characters who was... Yeah, he figures it out straight away. <laughs> and then gets clobbered with that fucking bust. Uh, I think it was that and, like, Boogie Nights, where he plays oh, a fundamentally pathetic uh, right. thing and then Forgo- weird injects it with heaps of pathos. I forgot about Boogie Nights. Yeah. That was a funny one. It's my least favorite P.T. Anderson film. Yeah. I, Although couple, I, I like it. It's just uh, not as good as I think I like act. it. It has a couple of standout scenes that mm. you can really just watch on their own. You don't need to embed them in the movie. Yeah. If you view the entire thing, as I'm sure that this uh, uh, metaphor is appropriate, but if you view the entire thing as foreplay for the climax, yep. wink, of the last scene where say no more, say no more. Warburg uh, says, you're Dirk fucking Diggler, and then stands up and he's got the fake dick hanging out of his pants and it's gigantic. And you finally see Dirk Diggler's dick. Like, yes. As far as filmic punchlines go, that's pretty good. That, that is got true. Me pretty good the first that time. That is true. To the point it's... that I still remember it. You still don't need to watch the whole film. No, and P.T. Anderson has not made a bad film, <laughs> as far as I can tell, and every other one is. No, look, I like Boogie Nights is good. I just, I found it goes on a bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Joker. Philip Seymour Hoffman would have been a really good penguin. Yeah. Yeah, If in this age. <laughs> Dead arsehole. Although, uh, just having one actor who didn't get sucked in by comic book movies would be good as well. 
Robert Downey Jr. is in a fucking Doctor Doolittle movie. He gets out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's got more money than anybody could possibly need. It's the perfect point in your career to be like, now I'm only going to do art that I care about. And he's in a fucking Doctor Doolittle movie. Because he's been taken by the um, powertrain. Yeah. Money is not for luxuries. It's power tokens. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some fucking... You can never have too many power tokens. Child sex rings to establish or whatever. Uh, was there? There's there's a there's a there's an awful lot to talk about with the Joker. Yeah, I mean it's um, pretty we, we good. We don't have time to talk about all of it. It's pretty uh, good. It's better than it has a right to be. It's better than it has a right to it's be. It's not subtle. There are a few moments where it's like, uh, if this were the sort of art masterpiece that it were that it's presenting itself as, you wouldn't give me that flashback scene where you show. Like the bit where, where, yeah, we're deep in spoiler territory. Where, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, BTW, yeah. <clears throat> where where Fleck realizes uh, that, or like the audience realizes that Fleck has been hallucinating his relationship with uh, Zazie Beats down the hall. Yeah, that was. I didn't so, think that was a super necessary reveal. To well, be honest with you. Well, the reveal. Well, I mean, that whole subplot is largely the whole meaningless. subplot is. Un- <clears throat> it's, I mean, it but, highlights his loneliness, but yeah. kind of everything else does as well. It's yeah, not yeah, necessary. that's <laughs> the thrust of the film. The note uh, in that solo. Um, but, the, but as far as reveals go, he's sitting on the couch. He's dripping wet. She walks in and she's been like really affectionate and friendly with him in those like and hallucinated so- bits. And suddenly, suddenly she's afraid. She's terrified. That's all you flat, need. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the only context that you need. And then they show the flashback things where it like shows him with her and then flash and it's just him by himself. And that has fucking test audience written all over yeah. it, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> fucking test audiences. Similar. The shittest people ever. Yeah. I hate them more than I hate Tories. Yeah. Uh, similarly with when he discovers uh, the truth about like his mother and- uh, Thomas his, Wayne. His, uh, and Thomas Wayne yeah. and like or his abuse when he was a kid, his uh stepdad or his mum's boyfriend chaining him to a radio. That's right, so we're supposed up. to believe that he remembers this through reading the well, reports. He's, Im- he's imagining it, which nobody well, does. Nobody it. imagines somebody talking about the contents of a thing that they're reading. No. Like it's pointless. It's purely because the audience couldn't be trusted with just the close ups and and the clues that they get. <clears throat> there yeah. were more art for so it's it's like a fucking it's a heavy-handed movie it's a very it's, heavy-handed movie the most heavy-handed bit is rock and roll number no. two by gary glitter yeah um, which i thought honestly if you're going to use gary glitter that's maybe the only appropriate <laughs> reason to dig him up um, yeah. from this point on is that as fleck becomes as he surrenders to depravity yeah um gary glitter's like inspirational pop theme is actually probably quite a good bit to set yeah, it to. Maybe the disappointment that I've I had with that scene is that it is that it blends into some orchestral thing at the end. Yeah. And so it felt that it just felt it. like a clumsy bit of sound editing. Essentially that's my only problem. I mean, yeah, Gary Glitter shouldn't get royalties, but it's a fucking I mean that most of those arguments felt like straw grasping from pe- people who wanted to hate the film. There's a bunch of American sporting teams that play rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, rock two. and roll number two is common Fairly in the US. Regularly. Yeah, I think <laughs> when we were picking hockey teams, we uh, Marcus and I picked the Pittsburgh Penguins because it was because of that song, and didn't look into the song any further. And then, like <laughs> maybe a year later, realized that it was Gary Glitter who wrote it, and was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> whoops! Look, it's a really good song. It is a good song. 
Um, <clears throat> it's a shame that he's a beast from hell. And I am forced to endorse Gary Glitter <laughs> as a person. He's in jail. But he's been in jail a lot of times. He'll spend look, the rest of his life in there jail. There are a lot probably. of... Yeah, it doesn't fucking... He's not going to do anything with royalties one way or another, for God's sake. Yeah. But uh, the fact that he's a disturbing uh, hell monster is why Rock and Roll Number 2 was perfect for that scene, in my opinion. I mean, like, it kind of works. If it know, wasn't sort of... for Gary Glitter, <clears throat> there, there are a bunch of other songs that would have been better on a technical level. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's associated with the man who um, surrendered everything to depravity yeah. is, I think, perfect for the moment that Fleck becomes Joker. Sure. It's fitting. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, maybe as a, as a, as like a final, I mean, not as a final thing, but to like the final thing that I want to talk about with regards to this is I talked last episode about uh, art and politics uh the or politics and culture the upstream downstream relationship and i i affirmed my belief which is like a pretty common i think uh materialist politics uh reading that uh, that culture is downstream from politics and that culture doesn't really influence politics all that much although they can be a reinforcing thing you know politics influences culture and not the other way around I am proud to report that after reading a lot of uh, responses to this film around the internet that I can confirm that that's true, that the people who most desperately need to hear the fundamental message of like uh, either from the position of being well-to-do liberals who need to exercise some fucking compassion and structural change or from alienated young men who need to realize that murdering people is not the way both of those people seem to be missing the fucking point well i mean but they are where they are prima facie because they're not the sorts of people who get points this is what i'm saying (laughs) that the art is by definition no it can't Um, this was never going to make anybody shoot up a theater who wasn't going to shoot up a theater no absolutely right so far nobody has absolutely right uh Um, Monsters are of their own creation in that respect. Yeah, and it's never the fault yeah. of uh, <clears throat> the the social. Uh, the social critic is not the one who manufactures the social crisis. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's that's usually a, that's a nice, <laughs> you know, pretty little, fucking obvious. <laughs> you know, nice, uh, yeah. But which is just to say that, like, uh, I think a tragedy, uh, but an inescapable tragedy, is that. As much as creative people would like to think it, great art is not really going to change the world. It can contribute a fucking drop to an ocean of discussion, but you need politics to change the world, unfortunately, more than you do art. Art is important. It serves a bunch of really useful fucking uh, purposes and some political purposes, including like, you know, comfort and galvanization and stuff for people who are already susceptible, but it doesn't like change hearts and minds i don't think well art's like voting in a way in that yeah like one project on its own is kind of irrelevant one way or yeah, another but, in but if you have yeah. enough uh <clears throat> if you have that sort of critical mass yeah. of productivity and distribution then it does become very effective yeah sure but i think again that's isn't that very effective doesn't I mean, mean that it creates a fucking you know utopia built on paint yeah, and yeah. clay but this is this is the problem very effective up, means uh, that it it just you know helps people to um conceptualize and act yeah it's and, and to a degree sure. that you only notice when it's not there yeah yeah and it seems like it's not generally 
A lot of it's not. So in Australia, especially, we've got like an underground arts culture movement that's very yeah. productive, but its distribution's incredibly limited. Yeah. Right. And the stuff that does enjoy wide syndication and ease of distribution is really fucking crap. Yeah. Absolute Nobody, grueling. even when it's sort of beautifully done, like these, you know, exquisitely shot. Uh, dramas yeah. and things. If you of no consequence or interest to anybody. If you had no other even information, even the actors in them quite patently don't care. Yeah. If you had no other information and you just watched a bunch of Australian TV and cinema, you would think that our entire country had one talented cinematographer with a particular <laughs> style, and that he was doing. Or she was doing all of the work. Hasn't slept since the late yeah. 90s. <laughs> and he's just waiting for everybody else to catch up. And it's like, no, that's just, we got digital cameras and we liked one of the color grading. Pre- oh, that's unfair to cinematographers who generally seem to do quite a good job here. But we have one style of cinematography. Well, no, that's what I meant. Trip. Like the, the, yeah. the technical efficacy of mm. our, um, you know, film production people is fucking incredible. Yeah. We've got some of the most well-trained film Makers, yeah, in terms of like the people who do the actual like set dressing, the set crews, building, yeah. the crews, yeah. yeah, and a lot of, because a lot of them get um, our, quite extensive work on commercial television. Know, our cinematic proletariats yeah. are some of the best in the world, sure, but our cinematic aristocrats are yeah. very, very, very devoid of our focus, funding and bodies, imagination. our arts ministers, and it has to be said, Australian directors, I fucking love you, and I'm in your court. But being able to direct does not mean that you can write. Please, there are so many writers in this fucking country. Find a friend who's written a script and produced their script. Stop writing your own scripts. You can't fucking do it. It's a separate skill. It's not the same thing. 100%. For fuck's sake. Like, agree with my colleague, Kieran. <sighs> yeah. It's a but, very um, separate skill. Some, the problem very- is some people can write. Like, George Miller can write. So everybody thinks that they're fucking George Miller. Yeah, George Miller can write, but George Miller also took how long between Mad Max 3 yeah. and Fury Road? 20 years? Oh, yeah. Well, he did Happy Feet in the interim. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he wrote. Uh, and also, like, Mad Max is like- how much direction he did on it either. Yeah. It was pretty much the guys in the computer labs, wasn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, the, the Mad Max movies are well-written for a very specific given value of well-written, which is really hard to do. Like, schlocky genre stuff is sure. hard to write well in the way that he writes it. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, so back to your point. Yes, so like arts circulation in Australia is very low. Yeah. Especially given how much art is produced. Uh, and that's why it's not having much of an impact on us at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the, part of the problem with producing uh, or like conceiving of a, of a conceptual framework like art being downstream from politics is then you can mistake it for ontology and insist that it can never be anything but but I, I'm trying to make a generalised point. Like, yes, we should make politically aware art. Yes, all of those things. But we shouldn't ever expect a movie like Joker to come in and change people's minds. Which I think is kind of tragic. Because it has a good message for incels. And it has a good message for fucking uh, wealthy liberals who don't do any direct harm. Like, they don't choke pigeons or punch people but do a lot of harm by ignorantly occupying their position in society without being aware of what that means. Yeah. I think that was actually um, brought across 
So it was brought across really well th- in Meryl Streep's depiction of Thatcher in um, oh, Iron really? Lady. I didn't see that because the thought of seeing it turned my stomach. Well, um, I, I felt that good? way for a very long time. Robin yeah. and I watched it a few nights ago. Oh, okay. um, very recent. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Jim Broadbent is wonderful, of course. Jim Broadbent, Jim Broadbent always Broadbent a pleasure to watch. Apparently can't fuck anything up. Yeah. Um, I hope he's a nice father. <laughs> he's just, he's so he's so good at what he does yeah. that, that, that 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 you know guys of that proficiency often mm. for some reason seem to be the worst dads ever. Yeah, um, I think he's he strikes me as a good dad. But yeah, there's a what's what's portrayed really well in that film, and I don't know if it was a deliberate choice mm. or not. Was the degree to which Thatcher despised. The notion of the cooperative society. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, well, she owned that plank quite it, yeah. happily and publicly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how she adapts it from her father's kind of. Her father is a, a man with like quite unpleasant conservative rhetoric, mm. but he still couches it in terms of we need to build a society that works together. But it has to be on my terms, right? Yeah, and yeah. She yeah. famously went further than that and said, yeah. "There is no society it's at that, all." It's that thing where the version of child rebellion, where you and a stranger are walking towards each other on the street, and you're set to collide, and they step in one direction, and you step in the same direction, and instead of stepping back in the other direction, you just squeeze against the wall, and both take up a tiny portion of the. Uh, are you understanding the the yes. metaphor here? Yeah, yes, Margaret indeed, Thatcher I am. is pressed against the wall. <laughs> Uh, she should have rebelled by going left. She should have. She should have. And it was especially, especially because it was also brought across well as how deeply despised she was by the Conservative Party for the mm. entirety of her career. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, couldn't walk away from them mm. because she was so in love with cruelty and greed. But it's, uh, yeah, it captures really well the um, the way that she essentially was an implacably cruel and stupid person. Mm. But her conviction and her it was a genuine belief that by undercutting the welfare of the poorest and most vulnerable people in the UK, yeah. she would kind of like spark some sort of productive capacity in them that yeah. would make them go out yeah, and be independently yeah. wealthy. Incentivized um, through austerity. Yeah, it's, it's such a fucking like British idea that yeah. the only reason you're not successful is because you haven't been brutalized enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that's the fucking... Americans have totally taken that on board as well. Yeah, and um, the oh, Wayne heavily Protestant. Yeah, the Thomas Wayne kind of austerity yeah. measures uh, billionaire was uh, really nice. Mm. The, uh, this is another. Uh, thing that shouldn't have. This is related to to what you've just said. This is another thing that shouldn't have worked in the movie, but did inexplicably. Is a bunch of pe- a clown kills some people on a train, and a bunch of people start wearing clown masks. Yeah, and, and seeing that as anything other than sort of dumb and ridiculous, but through the figure of Thomas Wayne, who we expect to be rhetorically shit house and dumb, getting on TV and being like the people who. <clears throat> don't make something of themselves. They're the real clowns. Yeah. Like, that's quite... Uh, that's something that you can that's, absolutely picture an American politician saying today to say, without any hint of self-awareness. And, and bipartisan as well. Yeah, That is yeah. as much a Hillary Clinton line as yeah. it is a it's Ted more, Cruz line. Pokemon go yeah. to the polls. Like, that <laughs> fundamentally changed things. 
Like young people were not the ones playing Pokemon Go anyway. That's yeah. Um, we'll leave that aside. Yeah. So like it's very much an so, old person's game. So that like uh, Todd Phillips, I I don't know how the fuck he pulled this off because he seems like a moron. I don't know but if he did. I the, some of the he had his co-writer maybe. Uh, very well attuned to being like, here's a politician saying something very dumb that's also extremely inflammatory. And then people wearing clown masks felt like kind of a natural thing that might happen today as well. Yeah. And, and it also like shining a light on the fact that businessmen do not necessarily have the kind of judgment it takes to be politically yeah. effective. Yeah. If, if politically effective, you mean operating good governance yeah. and sound governance. Really nice to see that being undercut in a film too. Yeah. It's, it's fucking, it's a strange one. It could have been better than it was, but it also could have been a lot worse. I think it was a very satisfying uh, film on the whole. Uh, Everything could always be better. What's your, let's round the, we've got to finish this. Yes, we've finished this bit. And go to the the next topic really briefly. But, but, what's, let's, what do you, what would you say is your top five comic book movies? The last, um, well, you can go back as far as you want. <laughs> Goodness me! So, number one, yeah, um, early two thousands film adaptation of what was my favourite comic book when I was a schoolboy, mm. uh, Constantine, with sure. Keanu Reeves. Good choice. Um, even though that movie got a lot of shit, my brother hates that movie. A lot of shit. As an as a big fan of the comics, the first mm. time I saw it, I was fucking furious. Yeah, <laughs> I was really angry. But over time, I have grown to it enjoy it. Like it's yeah. actually, if you just see it as its own thing, it's beautifully yeah. done. It's yeah. really nicely done. If you cool. just view it as its own thing, so that's number one. That's number one. Number two is probably the Joker. Yeah, I would say pretty easily. And it's like. Honestly, it's technically a much better film than Constantine. I just enjoyed it less. Yeah, I'm not asking for objective justification. Um, and then, going from number three... Ugh, number three is actually a tricky one because I think it might be V for Vendetta, actually. Sure. Um, it's kind of justifiable in its own way. Not Watchmen. Really it spawned a million years of cringe V for Vendetta, yeah, but, but, but in and of itself, in and of it itself, was a, yeah. I, I liked it. Actually, they they did things in the film that were better than the comic book execution. I feel. Yeah, that's um, right. I'm, I'm I'm glad that the computer wasn't in the film. Do you mm. remember the computer? No, I don't remember the so, computer at all. So uh, V takes control of the Chancellor by hacking into his computer and making him fall in love with yeah. quote-unquote her. Yeah, yeah, that bit, does ring a bell. Bit, it's a bit stupid. <clears throat> Thomas, uh, Thomas Moore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, so Fuck Thomas me. Moore. Alan Moore. Alan Moore yeah. doesn't, doesn't make many oopses with his narrative construction, but I preferred the way it was done in the film. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, four and five... Couldn't tell you. Yeah. What about what about yourself? Do you have a list? Yeah, I don't know. I would. I will. I, it's curious because, like, I would probably have to put Joker at the top of it. Um, I liked FIFA Vendetta, but I don't think it would make my top five. I like the Nolan Batman's, uh, but understanding their flaws, I think, yeah. is is crucial, and being wary of their politics. Uh, but maybe Dark Knight would be up there in the five somewhere. Oh, actually, I liked. Um who was the gooey man? 
What the fuck are you talking about? The he, gooey man? Tom Hardy is the gooey man. Oh, Venom? Yeah, I liked Venom. I haven't seen that yet, but I desperately want to. It's Venom's to a... number four. All right, cool. Uh, I like I like Watchmen, but I don't think it would make top five. Uh, well, I don't have a fifth one, and I've still left Watchmen off that. So <laughs> yeah, let's say let's say Joker. Uh, I'll put Dark Knight second just because Heath Ledger's performance is is tremendous, and I like Christian Bale. Uh, and That's then a fair point actually. And then Man of Steel. <laughs> I don't know. I might, yeah, I might. I actually, go. I, I did like Man of Steel, which is heresy in this day and age. Uh, Thor Ragnarok was maybe the only good Marvel movie. Oh, that was uh, that was uh, Watiti. Taika Watiti, who's, that who's was fun. I liked very good. Ragnarok. I, I would have put Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, up there once upon a time, but I was so unimpressed with the second one, and so I'm so exhausted by all of that shit now that I don't think I could still enjoy it. You didn't like Baby Grok? No. No, I didn't like Baby Groot. I thought it was dumb. Groot, sorry. Grok. Whatever. I don't like Teenage Groot either. It's like such a bad joke. Teenagers are the... You sh- uh, the only time I've seen teenagers like done well as mm. funny teenagers is a pretty obscure uh, program as far as the globe is concerned. Is uh, Jack D's... I think he did two series of it in the UK in the yeah. early mid noughts called Lead Balloon, uh, where Jack yeah, D I've plays Jack D but with a different name. And I've not seen that show, but I've, I know it. I, it's pretty decent. Um, but he there's so much British TV that's pretty decent. If you though. no, but like if you like, I have to portion it out. If you liked Louis C.K.'s Louis yeah. show, you'll probably like Lead Balloon. All right, um, I'll give it a watch. But it's less, you know, less sex offensive. But mm, yeah, his da- his daughter and her boyfriend play actually quite well portrayed, funny um, sort of yeah, comedy teenagers. Yeah, and all the other ones from history have been disastrous. Yeah, whenever it's from a non teenage perspective, when it's from a teenage perspective, you get super bad in between. There's all sorts of like reasonably good ribald shit. But yeah, whenever it's from an adult perspective, it's always just like, oh fuck off, old man. Why am I? Yeah. On your side in this. Uh, yeah. All right, let's knock this shit on the head and move to topic two. Go away, topic one. Hello, topic two. What's topic well, two, Kieran? Thank you, listener, for your patience. If you've skipped to this to avoid the spoilers, it's all clear sailing from here on out. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, second topic. Uh, Got to find the gas to talk about something really quite serious. Uh, after I just want to spend two hours talking about Joker, really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we talked about revisiting the format of this show and maybe cutting down the number of topics that we do, so that we yes, can, so we might we might to, need to do a streamlining operation. Yeah, just so that. Uh, we have the time to talk about the stuff that we want to talk about. But uh, essentially, basically, uh, what I want to talk about is how... Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. It's, it's grim. It's really serious and bad. Uh, this headline is from the Saturday paper. Exclusive 500 children forfeited to state in NDIS standoff. Uh, so this is... I work in disability. I've said that before. So I've seen firsthand some of the problems with the NDIS. I'm going to try and keep this fairly, uh, uh, like narrow in its, in its focus, but essentially the major problem with the NDIS is funding 
tripled at first. That was the idea. And about uh, a bunch of middlemen agencies popped up and they soaked up more than two thirds of the funding. So practically speaking for a lot of people with disabilities, it actually was a funding cut. And then with further cuts to the budget uh, under Scott Morrison's government, that's problems only getting worse. And essentially what's happened here is that due to uh, the sluggish pace at which funding is allocated under the NDIS because of the many channels of middlemen that it has to go through, like it takes months to get a funding amendment through uh, essentially, yeah, over the last five years, 500 children have been forfeited into state care because their families have been unable to secure the funding necessary to take care of them in their own homes, like be cared, uh, for by the parents. In Victoria, DHS doesn't run houses anymore i'm they might run facilities or something but they they, when the ndis kicked in they sold all of their uh assisted living facilities mostly to the company that i work for scope victoria which is kind of a monster in its own way uh so i'm not exactly sure where these kids are going i don't know if that's nationwide or just in victoria that that's that that's happened but essentially uh uh yeah yeah, kids are being removed from their families uh, to go and live in voluntary out-of-home care is what it's called. Uh, although, obviously, in this case, it's not voluntary. And this is because those families have been deprived of resources that they previously yeah. had and therefore have been found unable to safely raise these children. Yeah, or in a lot of cases, they've had these kids just at just the wrong time so in, in, in the transitional period in the process therefore of trying to save money hmm. the government has made more work for itself well yeah and also destroyed lives that it didn't hmm. need to yeah uh, i don't think that the making more work for itself thing is really a problem that's just part of the no it's the, a, it's an the, irony the grift yeah um, but it's just part of the grift that that government plays is that in an effort to quote-unquote cut costs and enable austerity measures, what that practically means is providing funding for uh, essentially whoever wants to profit off a particular problem to profit off a problem at the expense of the people who actually suffer from it. And in this case, yes, it means it's a return to the to the great days of the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s where kids were just put in fucking hospitals. Homes for boys. Yeah. Homes for girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Urala Hospital, famously, in, in this city was like a place where I, I've, I work with some people who grew up there. And uh... Hey, listener, I just wanted to clarify my position here because I was just kind of trying to get through stuff as quickly as possible. I've also known, uh, know and have known people who have worked at like facilities like Urala and at Urala itself. And uh, at least the people that I have met have been very compassionate uh, people, some very dedicated and hardworking people who were doing the best within the system that they were given. Uh, I'm sure there were some absolute nurse ratchets as well because these industries unfortunately attract a lot of sort of abuse-prone actors since it grants so much power. That's a completely separate issue. But to highlight that these problems are always structural and that you can never trust good intention to just do the work because it can only get as far as the system allows it to get. Uh, 
yeah. Anyway, just wanted to make sh- make it clear that I wasn't selling workers from the past under the river, just just critiquing the system, having seen its effects. All right, back to the show. It was not an ideal uh, place for a I human being to grow up. I have as a- never, ever met anybody or heard of anybody who wasn't traumatized as a result of being a ward of the state. Yeah, um, yeah. Point blank. That doesn't matter whether they're from the indigenous community, non-indigenous community, yeah. migrant community, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've ever heard of or met who was a ward of the state was psychologically destroyed by the experience. Yeah. Uh, this With disability, this has a reinforcing aspect because there are people who, like older people, who don't have any intellectual impairment, who, to the average... Uh, monstrous member of the public who doesn't have enough exposure to disability will see them as intellectually impaired because they grew up without, you know, adequate care and socialization and and fundamental human dignity given to them. So this is just another in the long history of Australia's atrocious relationship with uh, disabled people, which is to say that we've just got a new wave of of child removals, which is like pretty wild for this period of time because we've long had a problem with like uh invisibility and and not taking these people seriously and stuff but over the last couple of decades uh generally speaking the standard of care has improved and the ideal of community inclusion which is a big part of the ndis actually is supposed to be about community inclusion to sort of make sure that there's a space in society for people with disabilities uh Generally speaking, that's been good. So this represents a massive regression from already inadequate uh, sort of, you know. Levels. But it's a it's a perfectly uh, logical consequence of yeah. fucking with funding. Yeah, and um, funding models which rely on market forces because that's what the NDIS always was. If you'd have just tripled the funding under the old models, like the old models had problems for sure but with triple the funding a lot of those problems could have been addressed quite directly yeah staffing crises could have been uh addressed like wages could have been increased uh, sufficient births could have been found for people yeah renovations and and upgrades and and what really needs to happen is huge levels of funding for families who are opting to take care of their uh, disabled sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, fathers, and mothers in home where they have the most dignity and the most uh, approximating uh, a free human experience, which is supposed to be one of the ideals of this fucking government, individual freedom. But instead, because that funding has been redirected to a bunch of unqualified uh, entrepreneurial types, <sighs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah, immiserating the people that it's supposed to be taking care of. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it. This country's fucking shit with, with taking care of its own, obviously, insofar as the business model of societal ill is followed. I mean, Australia has always had a very deep, callous streak. Yeah. Um, there was a time where rhetorically, at least, government's place an emphasis on caring for, like, whoever they determined to be legitimate citizens. Yeah. Um, But 
that's always been an extremely fucking narrow mm. band of the public and it was often like a kind of counterproductive form of assistance uh, mm. anyway, you know, looking at um, sort of making people um, real estate magnates instead of just guaranteeing them accommodation, yeah, <laughs> for instance. Yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised it's not worse, mm. to be honest, like yeah. liberal government reforms of the welfare sector, whether it's a Labour government or a Liberal government, mm. attempts to liberalise the welfare sector have usually globally resulted in just complete and total systemic breakdown. Well, this is um, this is one small aspect of me. it. Like child forfeiture numbers should be zero. Uh, and this is just one symptom of the disease, so to speak. So, like, this isn't talking about uh, equipment uh, funding shortfalls. This isn't talking about the number of people who have uh, been consigned to to their bed because they don't have adequate uh, support to get them up and about. It's not uh, covering education shortfalls. It's not covering any of that shit. This is just one. And it's not covering the number of people who have died, which I suspect we'll only really learn about it when will. the inevitable Royal Commission happens into negligence in the industry, oh. although that will be sold as the problem of a few bad apples and not like the like the elder care thing. The problem there is staffing ratios and quality of care, not... And, of course, uh, the, uh, the often forgotten predicament, which is the predicament of people who have to provide primary private care mm. to parents or children or partners who have become disabled yeah. um, for one reason or another, mm. which under our current model is kind of a life ruiner. Yeah, yeah, it is, absolutely. Uh, and, like, frequently, I mean, the people that I have worked with uh, in home and out of home, like, a lot of them are just waiting to get their kids out into assisted living facilities because they don't have the resources to adequately kind of uh, take care of this shit because under the the really brutal model of, like, you earn your way and you get enough money to feed yourself, maybe your family, increasingly just yourself, like, the fucking gigantic costs associated with uh, disability it's insanely brutal for families already. Mm. Uh, and that's only worse if you can't get funding for, if you, cause like if it falls through, if you could get an assessment back and it doesn't include adequate funding for support, then you're, you just have to change your entire life for, for the months that it takes to get the thing reviewed. So even if you do get it reviewed and you get the funding that you need, you know, maybe you have to quit your job so that you can fucking stay in the house and look after your family member or whatever. Because it costs a lot to hire support people. It costs, yeah, you have to pay someone a wage. Yeah. You have to pay someone a minimum wage, at least. Yeah. And that is, if you're a fucking low wage earner, yeah. you just can't. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's higher than minimum wage because it's, I mean, and rightfully so, it's intense Oh, for work. sure, for sure. I'm just doing um, a basic calculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If, yeah. If you're earning forty five grand a year mm. and out of that you have to pay for somebody else to care for your relative. Yeah. Uh, 
It's completely fucked. fucking untenable. Yeah, yeah. So it's the government's responsibility to provide funding. And it's the government's responsibility not to privatize this shit. Because it's like, transport is one thing. We can all bitch about the insane weights for trains and shit like that. Yeah, but uh, it still basically works. Like, you still get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. And it fundamentally, somebody being um, late to work isn't going to grind anything to a halt. Uh, but... But where human life is yeah, concerned, it's, it's far too serious to leave to these people. Completely unacceptable, yeah. Um, and the, the, the sort of, you know, care provision services have a terrible history of being privatised. Yeah. You know, the, the, the mess of private medical insurance in this company, this country, mm. <laughs> this company, that was mm. Freudian, <laughs> uh, this country alone should be enough to deter people from the idea that privatising primary mm. support work would be yeah. a good idea. And you see, yeah, and the logical endpoint in the US where you see the, the real fucking damage of, uh, of privatised health shit, which is just that people have their lives ruined. Mm. irrevocably by uh, by health issues that should be free uh, to to treat. Um, again, like I want to loop back and and point out again that like a lot of the people who have who have uh, cropped up as like NDIA planners and stuff like that. Firstly, uh, I've heard that at the NDIA they do the hour of power thing where they just try to bang through as many plans as they can in an hour like the whole company gets together all the planners get together and just try to bang through them which is absolutely not what you need under the old model where you had either families or uh, house coordinators for assisted living facilities uh, organizing this stuff and then you know liaising with doctors and stuff as necessary you could provide a reasonably bespoke it was a lot of work, but you could provide a reasonably bespoke assessment of what a person needs. Under this uh, model, you get planners, many of whom have no history in the sector, uh, who fabricate these models of uh, disability assessment that are just profoundly fucking wrong. Like they'll they'll differentiate between profound disability and not profound disability. And then, you know, your ability to dress yourself might be seen as an indicator of not profound disability, but that doesn't necessarily Whoa. like, yeah. Right. So it's like, it's built by people who don't fuck it. These plans are built by people who don't know what the fuck they're doing, who have gotten into it because there's a bunch of government money up for private uh, companies willing to, to do this work. It's the entrepreneur myth that just go getters, business people can come in and solve any problem. But what they're doing is sticking their fingers into an industry that materially affects people's quality of life in really serious ways. Yeah, this is far more important than a fucking business. Yeah. Um, but and it runs along opposite lines to a business. Yeah. It's yeah. about maximizing expenditure, not minimizing yeah. expenditure. You're yeah. not trying to make money out of this. Mm. The whole point is it's supposed to be a spending exercise. Yeah. This is why when people, when you you meet people who are, and this is a, a big problem with liberalism and it's a big problem with conservatism, uh, people whose moral uh, questionability or like their, their political questionability lies in their, fundamentally in, in, in the abstract notion of where money should be allocated and, and whether we should foster like business-like 
shit, you know, it's whether we should foster crazy. commerce or whatever. Like, there's, it seems fairly innocuous, but somebody like Scott Morrison being pro-business and leveraging that, it's not just that it's misguided, it's fucking It's beyond misguided. It was, it was misguided in, like, the 70s and 80s when yeah. they had the defense of, well, we haven't tried this yet. Yeah. Now it's evil. Yeah. Now the yeah. data is in. It's fucking evil. And a great way to explain it to a Tory, if you, because I know, listener, you will have a conservative friend or relative. Yeah, for sure. They're obsessed with the sanctity of the family unit. Yeah. So if you explain to them the absurdity of running a family unit like a business, mm. where the father is the CEO and the mother is the COO, mm. and you know the children are the labourers. Yeah. And you run the household along the lines of a profit-making business, your family would collapse rapidly. A lot of people. There would, is. I think a lot of people would get hard at that metaphor, <laughs> at that model. It's not sustainable. It would no, fall apart. Yeah. And it's the same with a fucking country and with the essential services that a country is supposed to, that a state is supposed to provide people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that argument is probably m- going to be more effective with like slightly politically illiterate centrist types than it is with real Tories because they love metaphors where the daddy is the CEO. Uh, yeah, but no if, you, what form you, that if takes. you like make them follow the actual fucking logic of it, they won't follow the logic of it. Oh, and they were all raised in hell families anyway, mm. weren't they? That's why they're Tories. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you can pretend that I'm your friend and say that you know somebody who works in the industry and can tell you firsthand that this is uh, materially disgusting. And it's fucking counterproductive. The family unit thing should work, but I think they fundamentally only care when it's white, able-bodied families. Like, they don't give a fuck about the interventions. And there's also, we're not talking about it this week, but there's a crisis with child removals in Aboriginal communities. Yes. Like, some documents have come out saying how terrible it is specifically uh, now. If you thought that was a horrible spectre from our past, you were sadly mistaken. It is a very present haunting, Right now, yeah, yeah. yeah. kids from the hospital basically to to child protective services straight away uh and those guys don't give a fuck about that because they have that uh model in their head of aboriginal people as fundamentally incapable drunkards sex abusers all of these fucking foul uh lies that we've allowed to propagate and i think they probably ultimately feel the way about that yeah, way about disabled people right. i think this, if you really this was the argument that Kerry ann kennelly was f- uh, disgracefully not fired for yeah. expressing on air i think fundamentally doubling down on i think fundamentally they feel the same way about disabled people and if you gave them some truth serum and pushed them they would be like we should hitler them because they can't contribute to society i think with a lot of these tories what we need to do is uh execute them on the guillotine you mean the Tories? Absolutely, yes. we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good clarification <laughs> there, so that that quote can't be taken out of context. The Tories, yeah. I can get some of my disabled friends to let go of the rope. Uh, we were talking about um, Peanut Butter Falcon very briefly, which is a film uh, starring Shia LaBeouf and Zach—I forget his last name—but uh, an actor with Down syndrome uh, about a, a kid with or a young man with uh, Down syndrome who breaks out of his care facility to go and meet uh, a wrestler. Uh, and that that movie, like, on disability issues, that movie is really, really good for, for a number of reasons. 
But uh, the chief thing that it's illustrating there, because it's a crisis in the US as it is here, is that a collective, uh, like this, this guy doesn't have parents that can look after him, so it's a bit different. But the fundamental issue with his position at the start of the film is that he's been chucked into an uh, elderly care uh, facility. But fundamentally, the problem there is that facility life is not conducive to you know, meaningful, uh, actualized yeah, you, life you, you with agency. You can't derive any sort of satisfaction from that sort of existence. Yeah. It's basically just a um, filing cabinet for it human is. beings. Yeah. It's just avoiding... I mean, this is the model of the same model that we use with, like, war crimes and everything. It's just avoid... It's plausible deniability. Just avoiding getting your hands dirty yourself. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, it's it's fucked up. The NDIS is a disaster, firstly because of how it was conceived, although in its when it was like workshopped and first put together, uh, if it had been implemented by a better government, I'm sure that it would have been better and an increase in funding is was necessary, is still necessary. We've found ourselves in that classic privatization quandary where the government it costs has to spend three more times and more as money much. Yeah. because the private asset managers are fucking terrible at what they do. Yeah, yeah. It costs like two or three times as much as it used to and it's worse. And so not, yeah, now... Sorry, not just terrible at what they do, but unlike state asset managers, they are also trying to extract profit yeah, from it. Yeah, they're motivated so to do a bad... So their efficiency is shit and job. they're also thieves. Yeah. So now, <laughs> now uh, anybody who advocates for disability causes is in the unenviable position of having just received a lot of money and then saying, we need more money. When, of course, really the problem is that we need socialism. Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, but, yeah. The yeah, agency that's... is ratcheting up by the week. Yeah. If yeah. not the day. Yeah. If we don't get it soon, we're going to have a bunch of jokers on our hands. <laughs> We've got a bunch of jokers in fucking parliament. Hey. Hey. You are, Good. In essence, you can distill your segment down to the idea that the... Um, purchasing and selling exchange mechanism of a liberalized trade market mm. doesn't give a shit about people with disabilities. Yeah, fundamentally. Because they are neither consumers nor workers. Yeah, exactly. So they are irrelevant. They're a, they're a conduit. Yeah. And you've just got to keep them alive so you don't get put in jail. But um, yeah, and to, to just because like the, uh, the public doesn't hear a lot about like the what's really going on with the NDIS. It's still, I think, perceived as a triumph by a lot of people. But just to provide some concrete context to what's actually going on uh, with this latest privatization fuck mm. up. I mean, a lot of the general public are also the sorts of disgusting perverts who want to sift through the poos of welfare recipients and, yeah. you know make sure that they haven't enjoyed themselves at any point in the previous yeah. fortnight. Yeah. Reading comment sections about disability issues is one way to really feel murderous, I think, because yeah. you'll find some disgusting opinions there. That does not surprise me in the slightest. From people who absolutely should not be bringing up the idea of assessing people on whether they contribute meaningfully to society. <laughs> or are of sufficiently higher functioning intelligence to yeah. be granted citizenship status. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Fucking hell. Uh, but yeah, that's my segment. I don't want to take too long in it because it's not that deep. It's just tragic. It's very tragic. Fuck you, uh, Scott Morrison. Mm. And fuck you, uh, secret, complicit, 
Gen X Labour Party leaders. Yeah, the Labour Party has been doing fucking nothing. Labour Party has been doing worse than nothing. Well, Labour yeah. Party is actively working for the enemy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yes, that's a fair correction. They're uh, not. If you are in any way, shape, or form attached to the left, or for trade union members especially, if you are in any way, shape, or form attached to your own goddamn Labour movement, mm. the Labour Party has got to go. Mm. We're now at a point where the Greens are a better choice. Yeah for every single class, gender, and employment in this country. Mm. They are just better. I know they're not good, but they are fucking way better. And the proof is in the pudding that where the Labour Party is really expending energy on something uh, is in bitching about the Greens, because they understand that threat. And instead of just mobilising to the left like they should... They could do what the Tories did with One Nation and just basically absorb the support base by changing their policy platform. But this has been the the glacial shift of politics in the West uh, for the last 10 years, right? Yeah. The left, left quote-unquote, parties are refusing to do that. And for for bizarrely, it all hinges on the fucking Americans again. Yeah. If they can pull it off, then we might have a hope. If if, uh, Sanders and Corbyn fail... But particularly, I think if Sanders fails, I think we could be fucked. Like, I, I think, think it could just be civil war. I think shit Sanders is more likely to succeed. Than he Corbyn. absolutely is more um, likely to succeed than Corbyn. I'm very doubtful about Corbyn's chances, even if he becomes prime minister. Yeah, I think the internal opposition to him from the yeah uh, traitors in the Labour Party will make it almost impossible for him to achieve anything. I think you might be right. Uh, Not to mention the fact that. Even the left-ish press in the UK fucking hates him. Yeah. Sanders has more support from the US media than Corbyn has from the British media. Well, from aspects of it, and like for all of its problems, the US is a better place to ferment a grassroots... Like, or seems to be a better place to ferment a true grassroots movement. Did you... So, Pretty Patel... This is an example of what Corbyn's up against as opposed to Sanders, mm. right? So, the anti-Semitism... Yeah. Um, tarring that Corbyn's been putting up with. Yeah, Pretty Patel do- did a dog whistle at the Conservative Party conference last week. I heard about this. Right, yeah. so she's this daughter of migrants doesn't need lectures from, um, you know, North London metropolitan elites. Mm-hmm. To listeners from Australia, and if we have any listeners in America, that means Jews. <laughs> North London metropolitan elite has been a British fascist code word for Jews mm. since Oswald Mosley's uh, black shirt party. Mm. And even Jewish fucking journalists are hand-waving it and dismissing her. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy Corbyn is anti-Semitic because he kicks anti-Semites out of the Labour Party at a higher rate and more quickly Mm. than any other Labour leader before him. Yeah. And because he thinks Palestinians are human beings that should be treated like human beings. Yeah. Means he hates the Jews. But Priti Patel, my, like, actual pro-hanging fascist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Priti Patel is not, like, (sighs) not a subtle... uh, 
Pretty Patel is about as subtle as the mm. actual fucking Panzer divisions were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would say has an IQ somewhat below that of the average tank commander. Yeah. Uh, this is somebody who was kicked out of cabinet for actual treason when Theresa May was prime <laughs> minister, going on about Diane Abbott being That's home rare secretary, these days. right? That's rare. Like, even, like, when was the last time still- somebody got prosecuted? She for wasn't treason? prosecuted. No, I know, she but wasn't I, that's fucking, what I'm she This wasn't is what I'm saying. Out of when has a treason thing stuck in the last, like, 20 years? <laughs> so, t- for somebody to get kicked out of fucking cabinet <laughs> she got, for like, it. Well, going back, being bounced down from cabinet mm. to. Oh, was she even in cabinet or was she a junior minister? Doesn't it? For being bounced out of minister to backbench is like a 30,000 pound pay cut. Yeah that you're still getting, what, £220,000 a year or whatever the yeah, fuck it yeah, is. Yeah. She was literally, like, she had a toy taken off her mm. as a consequence of being a traitor yeah. who tried to sneakily change the direction of government policy without Parliament or the government itself noticing yeah. that she was doing it. Yeah. Fuck. That's... <laughs> Accountability And, is, like, granted, uh, she was doing it for the Israelis, but mm. that doesn't mean that you don't have anti-Semitic... Te- she may even not be aware of anti-Semitic tendencies, right? Because mm. she's not a very self-aware person, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fucking man. hell. Um, yeah, well, I mean, let's let's bring it full circle, because uh, I, was, I was meditating upon this while I was watching the fine piece of culture Joker... Uh, made by c- cinema's latest author, Todd Phillips. Uh, <laughs> cinema's latest, luckiest director, Todd Phillips. <laughs> yeah. I was I was watching the bit where the, uh, towards the end where the rioters were... I'll, I'll put spoiler warnings around the main bit, so I'm not going to spoil anything significant here. But uh, yeah, we might need to insert some of those after the fact as well before the. Well, that's what I, that's <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying. Oh, cool. I'm gonna yeah, I'm yeah. gonna wrap around and be like skip to uh, <laughs> timestamp. Yeah, uh, but there's the bit there's a bit where there's there's riots that happen in the movie. That's part of the trailers. That's yeah, not, yeah. Uh, that's not a big spoiler. And uh, against primarily the sort of the rich and the elite. And I was just I was sitting there and I'm thinking like. At what point do we have to go to this level and like be like, yeah, seriously, you know, because we're telling them if you don't change shit, eventually people are going to kill you. They're going to hunt you down and they're going to kill you if they can. Uh, At what point do we have to just be like, fuck you and start manufacturing accountability as a people. And I'm not advocating for storming the rich and killing them. No, I want to make it very clear that yeah. weakness for weakness does not endorse violence against any human beings. No. Uh, especially not poor people, but not against any per se. Yeah. Um, but at what point... But accountability is not a universal substance. It's a contextual That's uh, right. thing. And so if the halls of power, surprisingly, are completely unwilling to prosecute themselves. I was thinking of, of, as well of the, the vote uh, on whether to do an uh, investigation into corruption uh, in Crown Resorts or, or whatever. There was some, like, corruption thing that a bunch of ministers were implicated in and they did a vote on whether to uh, to investigate or not and it was all of the ministers from the Labour and the Liberal Party on the Nay side and then the Independents were the only people that voted, uh, and maybe the Greens. I'll, I'll tell you what needs to change in Australia for politics to change in any kind of meaningful way. Yeah. The Senate has to be replaced by a jury. 
yeah, you've been advocating the the Senate changing stuff, but that seems like a third order step. Like that can't happen in the government know, where accountability as, doesn't exist. How as, do you? Well, you have to basically start a single issue party. Unfortunately, um, cool. Or put enough what a slug. or put enough pressure for a referendum. Yeah, right. But either way, um, I know it's a catch twenty two situation. Yeah. But until the Senate is composed of actual citizen jurors, mm. not of professional politicians, yeah. nothing is going to get fixed in this country. All right, cool. All. So we're going to descend into a police state or there's going to be some sort of riotous fucking uprising. Or one will lead to the other, yeah. yeah. Unless this is, this is why I fucking, again, why I invest so much hope into this is fucking a, American politics because I could see this is the level of as a result. But. Anti-politics, not even political apathy, right? It's anti-politics that we have to deal with in this country. Yeah. The city is disrupted because people want to pressure politicians to do their job and yeah. tackle the climate crisis that threatens the actual lives of everyone on the planet. Mm. Fucking pick people start throwing their poo everywhere. Oh, yeah. Screeching about how these... Making it sound like everyone involved is like an out-of-work young person, which is mm. also not relevant, but also not true, mm. right? You should be killed for expressing uh, the rights of protest in a free society. Yeah. Uh, because you've disrupted the city, which, you know, like, let's be honest... If you're trying to go through Melbourne to get anywhere, you're on the road system. Yeah. That's pretty much your fucking fault <laughs> for not knowing how maps work and deciding to drive through mm. a pretty much unpassable part of the fucking city anyway. Yeah, it is like having to... <laughs> it's fucking mental like, to, to go through the CBD under any circumstances. It's the bit where the adventurer <laughs> mentions where he has to go and the, like in keep or the wizard their face goes white and it's like that's through the labyrinth of yeah. fog <laughs> the fastest way to naboo city is through the planet core yeah <laughs> yeah awesome oh, fuck, um, we have to go through the mines of Moria. and and you pull uh up to a stoplight and the front of your car is like five centimeters into the uh, the pedestrian crossing, and that's the equivalent of the Hobbit <laughs> sending the helmet down the well. Yeah, and you've just got a bunch Damn of fucking of a the most. I I I'm four pedestrians <laughs> in almost every part of the world except for the Melbourne CBD, where they all seem to be pricks for some reason yeah. that will just walk across any red light. But if you fucking edge into that, the dirty looks that you get. <laughs> You don't even have to man. be over the white line. Even. Yeah. <laughs> the crazers who will bang on the hood of your car like a fucking lunatic. Like, it's like, it's just an afternoon in the city. I'm stationary. Walk around me. The lines are concepts. They're not fucking, there's not crocodiles in the center of the- because Australians have become paranoid about border protection. Um. <laughs> yeah. So I'm skipping the queue. Anything is outside of a line boundary. We go fucking apeshit crazy. Yeah. But- all this over a, like a political agitation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this fucking marathon the other day, a pointless marathon that they just had because marathon. And mm. um, oops, that's an important phone call. We're going to need to wrap this up soon because I just realised I'm nearly twenty minutes late for my um, counsellor. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. That's my fault. But yeah. Have a marathon for literally no reason other than people want to run. Mm. You can close down the city for that. That's fine. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. 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 
of course. You can protest for anything. You can march for the babies if you want. You can march, absolutely. So as long as it's in the cause of supporting evil or mm. doing nothing, then Australia's fine with it. Yeah. <sighs> That's why we call this program Weakness, weakness for, for bleakness. bleakness. Yeah. You can contact us by email at weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. There's no tricks with the spelling. Follow us on Twitter at weakforbleak or follow myself at Gorilla Scream. Ooh, uh, that's a nice name. Yeah, it does the job. Uh, you can, yeah, thanks to Leonardo's Robot for the for the ending for music. Our outro, which is called, what's it called? Franz K. Which is called Franz K. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, I think we need to revisit the format of the show. We do, Maybe, like, two stories and a topic or something. Or maybe just a topic each and no stories, possibly. Yeah, possibly. (laughs) We'll figure it out uh, so that you have digestible The comrades can read headlines on their own. Yeah. The specter of (laughs) the Grandma's Virginity podcast hangs over me always. Such a good (laughs) podcast that just... And it was around when they started stretching into two hours that you'd listen to an episode and you'd be like, fuck me, like something's going on here but anyway uh yeah thanks for listening we'll see you next time uh in roughly a week i guess and uh yeah take it easy farewell friends mr music will you play 